Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Coming up on today's show, PlayStation has finally announced another showcase. Zelda has sold a bajillion copies and Jennifer Hale is back on the show. Everybody and welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and of course, the funny stuff every Friday. I am one of your hosts. Join with my name. That would be helpful. Andrew <laughs> Renee. That's my name, everybody. Joined by Brittany Brombacher, who just took a Hello. swig, which is why I said her name. <laughs> I was all phlegmy from all the laughter, so I had to swallow a loogie. <laughs> Hi. Hello. And we are also joined by Mrs. Rihanna Manuel Pena, who's got some very exciting news. Ah, I do. So in case you missed it on every social media platform that my husband, Danny, and I have access to, we have just announced to the world, we are expecting little baby Manuel Pena. Yay! I'm so happy and excited for you guys. You're going to be wonderful, fantastic parents. And I love that we have a new gamer baby in the mix. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's like a small list of people that I want to reproduce just because, you know, most people are bad. <laughs> but you and Danny, like together are very, very high, like top, 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 top. Like you two need to procreate and make more babies because the world needs more awesome people. Aww. So. I'm more excited probably than you are, Ree. <laughs> the irony of this announcement for people who probably have no idea is that we obviously just did our What's Good Games six-year anniversary. We actually had to cut out a clip that was in our best of the funny stuff <laughs> that alluded to them being pregnant because we're like, well somebody might infer that we're announcing this and we don't want to announce it before you guys are ready to announce it. And then on top of that, we also fed you shots. Yes. So just so everyone knows, Britt and I got real good at faking alcohol during our pandemic pregnancies. <laughs> so nothing Rihanna drank during the stream was real, okay? It was all fake. We faked it all. <laughs> Go ahead. Go back and watch the tapes and see if you saw anything being put that you didn't. <laughs> yeah. If I did, then I definitely didn't notice, and I'm a little bit worried about my perception. <laughs> If you mistook water for Patron, there's probably bigger problems at play. But no, we're so happy for you. Congratulations to both you and Danny. And of course, you know, we're we'll probably be talking about all the baby stuff in the future. Oh, yes. It's very exciting. Thank very you both. Exciting. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And we want to thank also this month's Patreon producers, Chewy's Godson, Ferris Atia, Justin Foshi, and Punctified. And if you guys want to help support What's Good Games, you could do so at patreon.com slash what's good games. 
streams. It is where you can get the show ad-free or where you can get an elite patron shout-out. I saw that we had some people modifying their pledges after the anniversary stream, so thank you to everybody who is supporting us on Patreon. We love you guys. And of course, we always remind you, we know that not everybody can throw dollars our way or pounds or yen or whatever Rupees. your local currency of choice is. And what we would ask then is maybe you can just throw us a few minutes of your time by leaving us a wonderful five-star review. Right, Britt? Yeah. So shout out to J566, who left us a lovely review. So kind and appreciated. And, you know, it happened. We got a one-star review, ladies, because we are, quote, too woke. And yes, this idiot spelled too wrong. They spelled it T-O. So I think that says everything we need to know about them as a person. So if you're listening out there, if you could just counter this stupid review that this stupid person left, we would all greatly appreciate it. Because believe it or not, those one-star reviews add up. And overall, it impacts your ratings and your algorithm. And it makes us sad. So that's okay, though. There's not that many people out there like that who listen to our show. And you're like that. We don't want you to listen to our show anyway. But, you know, I know we overpower the idiots. You know what I mean? I know there's enough of us out there. So Absolutely. And we've mentioned before that, you know, we have a goal of getting our star rating up to help combat these. But they still keep coming in, y'all. People thinking that apparently we were talking about video games, but it was too woke for them. And they gave us a one-star review. Help us out. Leave us a five-star if you haven't yet. So we appreciate everyone who has already taken the time. It means a ton to us and helps the podcast out so much, probably much more than you know. So thank you. Today's show is also brought to you by BetterHelp, but I'll tell you more about that later. Now, Brittany, let's get into the Zelda Power Hour. Just the Zelda news that we're all expecting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So surprising absolutely no one, The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom sells 10 million copies in three days. A stunning record. And this comes from Forbes. And I like this write-up because, I think it was Paul Tassi who wrote this, he included some other really big blockbuster titles, and it really kind of puts into perspective just how wild this number is. So, we knew the numbers would be big, but Nintendo has just announced that The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom has sold over 10 million copies in just its first three days of release. It remarks that it's the fastest-selling game in Zelda history, but it's much more than that and needs some context. So, for example, Cyberpunk 2077 sold 13.7 million copies in 21 days. Hogwarts Legacy sold 12 million copies in 14 days. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 sold 1 billion worth of copies in 14 days. And it has in parentheses 10 million copies at $70 would be 700 million for Zelda. And Grand Theft Auto 5 sold 800 million worth of copies on its first day and $1 billion in three days, the all-time record. And Andrew put a little note in here. I did because I was reading this. And thank you so much for pulling this. I was like, listen, normally, like, I, I like Paul Tassi a lot. I think he does some great work over there at Forbes. If you guys aren't clicking on their articles, I highly recommend you do. Also, maybe do I follow Paul mostly for his Destiny talks? <laughs> yes. But I was like, that Call of Duty number doesn't sound accurate to me because I remember vividly reporting on the Call of Duty record-breaking last fall because I've reported on Call of Duty for literally a decade of my career. <laughs> and it was really noteworthy. And so I looked up the press release and it was 800 million in three days, which essentially Zelda hypothetically matched. I mean, give or take, you know, a little wiggle room. But the fact, of course, that Zelda, as you noted, single platform, Call of Duty, multi-platform, and also arguably the most successful video game franchise in history when it comes to like splashy blockbuster numbers is very, very impressive. Yeah. 
it's that thing of we don't get Zelda games very often. I think we all know, but you just kind of forget just how powerful this IP is. I think we think of things like Mario. If Mario were to do numbers like this, we'd be like, oh yeah, of course it did. But you know, Zelda just doesn't have that mainstream IP popularity in terms of like merchandise and movies and blah, 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 you know, spinoffs. Yeah. It's just kind of a, to quote Dragon Ball Z, very mind boggling. And Paul does make a note here. It says the only thing that is actually comparable is Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, which did in fact sell 10 million copies in three days, but that was on two separate SKUs. So some people buy Scarlet and Violet, even though they're essentially the same game, but there are some differences in terms of legendaries and da 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 da. But yeah, wowzers. It's really amazing what they're able to do in like ridiculous number of install base aside, attachment rate for Nintendo consoles aside, all of that aside. I think Ash Parrish on, on Twitter just commented earlier today, like not a battle pass in sight. It's all single player. Like there's no gotcha gimmicks. There's no pay for cosmetic upgrades. Like this is just a single player game and it's really fucking good and it can be successful. Like there's a lot of hesitancy and doubt in the industry and amongst decision makers. And we're clearly seeing that with studios like Turtle Rock, who are like now revamping what they're doing with Suicide Squad to remove or edit some of those elements that fans reacted to poorly because like we just want good games it doesn't necessarily have to have all of these gimmicks to make money long term if it's good we'll buy it we'll play it we'll buy it again and it's really great to see a success story and Nintendo of course doing its thing just ignoring all of the noise and trudging forward marching to the beat of their own drum and we love it the works. beat and it it's works. weird that people are still hung up on this it must be multiplayer to be successful especially after Elden Ring last year which yeah. obviously I know that Elden Ring has a multiplayer component but let's be real no one died <laughs> Elden Ring for the multiplayer right like the multiplayer was like a little added bonus if you were willing to suffer through all those furled fingers and all the shenanigans <laughs> Also, even a game like Jedi Survivor and Jedi Fallen Order prove that single-player games can come from a multiplayer studio and be really great. So, And Nintendo is clearly not known for their multiplayer experience. <laughs> so I think that this is great. I do think, you know, the problem that they run into, you know, is that they don't have, like, a long tail to keep selling content to people. But do they need to when they can sell a bajillion copies up front? No. Well, it's also it, never <clears throat> been their business model to do games as service, right? True. Right. And they they did release DLC for Breath of the Wild, and that was fantastic DLC. And the thing, though, with this game is the game produces the content in terms of like, you're always getting people putting clips out there, discovering new like ways to solve a puzzle. The most obscure things are happening to those poor little Koroks out there. Like, I don't know if you've seen any of the clips. Like <gasps> The abuse. The Koroks the abuse. are just getting it right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, we're still seeing viral Breath of the Wild clips or Breath of the Wild clips going viral today. And that game is old, too, right? And so I think, you know, I, I don't see a world in where this game does doesn't sell more copies than Breath of the Wild. The install base is there. And in my opinion, we'll talk about this in hands-on. This is just an improved game in every which way. And I think maybe people who played Breath of the Wild who were turned off by some of the things that they heard, I think those concerns have been fixed in this game. And so I think the word of mouth and just everywhere you go, people are talking about it. And I know that's going to drip off eventually, but even the clips you're seeing, like they're hilarious and they're so funny. And just the things people are doing and the creativity, people are making mechs and stuff in this game. And I'm so proud of my like rock and stick combination. So it's just, <laughs> you know, it's just really cool. So yeah, this is, this is wonderful and great. I mean, but a little surprising no one. Well, we will be talking more about The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom a little bit later on when we get to hands-on. So don't you worry, folks. More chat about that to come. But as we mentioned in the Gold Open, Sony has finally announced another PlayStation showcase. 
That's the big verbiage that we're emphasizing here. This is not a state of play. You know, we've talked before about how when they use the word showcase, it's like the big razzle-dazzle, break out the jazz hands. So it's happening next week, May 24th at 1 p.m. Pacific time. And it's going to focus on games coming to PS5 and PSVR 2. We are, fingers crossed, hoping to do a live watch along that day. So keep your eyes peeled on What's Good underscore games on Twitter and our personal social channels. And of course, if you've got those notifications turned on on Twitch and YouTube, that'd be helpful as well. Obviously, we don't know what to expect. We do know, though, that Sony has several projects in the works, including Marvel Spider-Man 2, which we haven't seen a lot from. So I expect that we're going to see a lengthy trailer or a gameplay demo from that game in this showcase because it's hypothetically launching this fall. At least that's the window that we have heard is kind of their target. We also know that Naughty Dog has teased Last of Us multiplayer. Yeah. Is that coming here? Are we going to get a look? Don't know. Maybe they'll do a tease for season two of the HBO show. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Other than that, ladies... What do you think? Uh, what do you think could possibly come? I um, have a list. Ooh. Oh, well, girl, <laughs> lay it on us. I, I love this. It feels like E3 and I feel like I'm getting ready to go to their press conference and I got my little hype list up. So, OK, like, let's be real. This kind of goes through a Brit lens here. But some of that I think will happen. Obviously, you mentioned Last of Us multiplayer in Spider-Man 2. I think that's 100 percent a shoe in. I want to see Ghost of Tsushima 2. What a sucker punch in. You know what I mean? Oh, my God. Yeah. I would love oh, that. That'd be amazing. But do yeah. we think that that's what they're working on? Oh, yeah. Easily. It would make sense because they put so much effort into building that world. Like, why just abandon yeah. it for something new? I would love, love, love that. I, and I'm pretty sure a job listing that went live like a year or two ago. Well, I don't know when it was. But it described a game just People like... People be fucking up on LinkedIn, man. <clears throat> oh, they always be foolish. You can't put that stuff online. People find it. I also want to know what the hell is Corey Barlog working on? You know what I mean? Oh, and Sony Santa Monica? Uh-huh. What are they working on? What's he doing? What's he been doing? Because he didn't direct mm. Ragnarok, and he's been teasing this other thing he's been doing for quite some time. Now, I don't know if enough time has passed that they can show something, but that would be a hype-as-fuck moment. I would love to see what has Mr. Corey been up to. Mm. And this is the, the interesting one. So Final Fantasy 16 is coming out next month, but also, where is Final Fantasy VII Rebirth? Where is that game? I feel like we got to see something from it. I think you could show both, but I know some people also want to make the argument that you can't show Final Fantasy VII Rebirth because you want all eyes on Final Fantasy XVI. I think both can grow and flourish, but like, yo, you know, whatever. So I'm going to bet we're going to see something there. I think Square Enix is probably going to hold some cards for Summer Game Fest, right? Because they have a history of working with Summer Game Fest and working with Opening Night Live. So I think that, and there's no... Like Square's not having their own standalone press conference, you know, like Ubisoft and Xbox are having, right? So I think that we might, we'll definitely see something from them, Final Fantasy related in the showcase, like hands down. But which Final Fantasy it is, you know, remains to be seen. And then what we don't see, I think we'll see at the Summer Game Fest live stream in Mm -hmm. a couple weeks. Ray, what do you think about my list so far? I, I think like your, your list, list. I think your list is good. I think your your peg on Sony Santa Monica though is I don't think they're they're going to show anything. I think they had a banger of a year with Ragnarok last year. 
I think Sony Santa Monica is going to probably go dark for another year, and then maybe they'll do a marketing beat next year. Well, boo. I hope not. The other thing, I think we're going to see some Resident Evil 4 DLC. We're all waiting for separate ways, which is the additional story content with Ada. We know it's in the game. We know it's somewhere. It's going to happen. It's just kind of when are Capcom going to feel ready to reveal that? And I think this would make a really good bet. In the showcase, too, we also know there's PSVR 2 stuff coming. I think Resident Evil 4 Remake, maybe we'll get a tease for the VR mode. This was just teased, I think, back in February. It was confirmed that they were working on it, but I don't know how along the process they were. So maybe we'll get an updated release date for Resident Evil 4 VR. That would be freaking awesome. Another update I'd love to know is Silent Hill 2 from Bloober. When is that coming? There was some mistranslations recently where someone had thought that someone on the team had said that the game was pretty much technically done at this point and we're, we're just waiting for something, essentially hinting that it was imminent. And then they came out and they're like, you know, we don't usually comment on these things, but that's not the case. But I still think we're due for something from them. Bloodborne fans are rabid right now for a PS5 upgrade. I don't really know what's going on with Bloodborne, but I know all of them are what expecting a remake. Is that their pipe dream? I've just seen the Twitters on Twitter if you will. Dude, Persona 3 Remake, that's the other thing I would love to see. That has been another rumored game, and if you're going to believe credited leakers, I can never say that with the straight phrase, credited leakers. Anyway, that it's an actual thing that's coming. Uh, I think Persona 3, having just played it for the first time, would be an absolutely amazing remake and could easily, easily top you know, Persona 4 and Persona 5 in terms of gameplay and story, but we'll just have to like see how that all goes. I guess gameplay is pretty similar, but I digress. And then a few more things. Metal Gear Solid, I know there's a lot of, of, of little news and whispers going around that there this could be when Metal Gear Solid comes back. We shall see. And then and then Twisted Metal. We're getting the Peacock series on July 27th. It seems like that is the most random ass IP to make a show after. Freaking twi- now I love Twisted Metal, but that is random as hell and you can't tell me there's no reason for it, goddammit. So that's why I'm thinking we're gonna see something with Twisted Metal. And finally Final Fantasy IX remake. <sighs> I love that you won't let go of that dream. Never, never, never. Um, Listen, NVIDIA leak, Andrea, has to be 100% accurate. There's no in, as if, in or buts, or whatever that fucking saying is. I'm too hyped right now could, to think straight. How could anything ever be wrong with that leak? There's they so were going to show it leak. anywhere. If the PlayStation showcase seems like the right place. Square has a long history of doing big, splashy announcements. Some of my favorite gifts of you over the E3 years has been from Square announcements at PlayStation yeah. press conferences. So... We'll pin Final Fantasy IX, but I like this is a good list, Britt. This is a good list. Thank you. I'm very excited. I'm the very Silent excited. Hill stuff is is good. Metal Gear is interesting because I think people, you know, are rightly so a little apprehensive about what's going to happen with that franchise with Konami giving the reins to somebody that isn't, you know, Hideo Kojima. Speaking of and that, Death Stranding too. Do we see that? Hmm. Honestly, that's a really good pick because that game's clearly been in development for at least three or four years. It got leaked by Norman Reedus like two years ago. So funny. And then we had that other leak last summer around Gamescom time. So like that game is clearly uh, chugging right along. Yeah. I feel like a proper trailer makes sense. But didn't they just do like a confirmation trailer at the Game Awards? Oh, girl, I don't. I was so drunk that night. Yeah, I do remember seeing that at the Game Awards. Yeah, Death Stranding 2 reveal trailer, the Game Awards 2022. Wow. Maybe we see some more gameplay. Yeah, no, this is so exciting. I love this. And even if like none of these come to pass, I just love this lead up, the hype, the pipe dream moments. Like that's what's so much fun about all of this. But 
I really don't doubt that. I think we're going to get some amazing announcements out of this thing. Yeah. If there's What's enough next cooking. too, man? Let's go. Oh, hell yeah. There we go. Let's do it. I love it. So much to talk about. This is going to be a great couple of weeks, you guys. We have a lot of coverage planned over all of these announcements and things that are, are happening. More to share on that in the weeks to come. But speaking of showcases... Ooh, absolutely. Okay, so Humble Games had their showcase. And to peel back the curtain in its entirety and to be very transparent with everyone, we, I mean, I don't know if y'all saw it, but I got the opportunity to watch this showcase before its air date. So I was able to prepare some coverage because... A press preview, as it's called in the biz. A press preview, absolutely. Because we record on Wednesdays and this thing goes live on Thursdays. So I watched the showcase and there were some pretty freaking cool games in there that I'm, I'm particularly excited about. About, but I'm not going to cover all eight of them that were shown. So if you are interested, I absolutely recommend you check it out. It's not a super long showcase, but it's full of charm and really, really, really cute titles. So the first one I want to talk about, ladies, is Wizard of Legend 2. So what's really cool about this, besides the fact that it's an adorable little indie game, is that the soundtrack was composed by one Dale North. He made the What's Good Games theme, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's the blue. That's the blue. It is, but I was group. I'm like, this sounds familiar. Not right, but familiar. I love that you just went with it. I love that you just went with it. Anyway, yeah. So Rihanna coming in with the clutch, like, yo, that's bluey. See, this is the perks of having a sober co-host is that she can call you out when you're being dumb. But seriously, so yeah, the fact that. North uh, composed the first one. I don't know if he composed the second one, but the first one was very, very fun, very cute. And so Wizard of Legend 2 is one of the bigger announcements from the showcase. And this is a follow-up to the first Wizard of Legend that was actually developed by Contingent99, I believe, was the actual developer. But this time around, a different developer is coming through. And let me get their name right. Dead Mage is the, the, the person doing this one. And Dead Mage developed a game called Children of Morta, which is an also a really, really cute little indie co-op RPG that I loved so much. So I think this game is in really, really good hands. I don't know why Contingent 99 isn't coming back for this one. I know they are a very small team of only two people, so maybe they have other stuff going on, but it's cool and great that they are involved. And so what's interesting about this one is the first one was very pixely looking. This one has this fun cel-shaded 3D look. It's super colorful, lots of hecticness on screen, and it will launch with online co-op. And that is wonderful. Anyway, I really like this game. It's a roguelike, and it's the sort of game, though, that even when you die, at least the first one was, that you can upgrade your character and continue kicking ass, which is, like, the only incentive and the only way I'll play a roguelike, which is why I love Hades so much. The next big announcement was Lost Skies. So this comes from Boston Studios, who you might know from Surgeon Simulator. I almost said Simulator. Oh, boy. And mm-hmm. I Am Bread. Hmm. And this is an open-world co-op adventure, and for one to six players, and it is set among the cl- clouds now y'all know i love me a skyship anyway yeah so you have to find and craft ancient technology you can build your own skyship you can brave ferocious storms and battle giant threats that await beyond the horizon so yeah like i said like it looks really cool i'm I'm a little confused though on what the actual game looks like because right now we're watching an animated trailer but at one point you see in-game footage and it looks more 3d and so i'm not sure what the game actually is But either way, it's very early and the community can actually be a part of the development for this game at some point. I'm not sure if they're going to announce the details after the actual stream. But regardless, if you are a fan of their work, definitely check out that. The other game, two more to talk about that stood out to me. And I don't know, have you ladies heard about Stray Gods? 
It sounds familiar. Okay, so it's a one-part narrative-driven adventure and one-part interactive musical. And it's created by Summerfall Studios' former Bioware lead writer David Gator, voice directed by Troy Baker, and it stars Laura Bailey, also Felicia Day is in it, Kimberly Brooks, Ashley Johnson. So there's a star, star cast in this whole thing. So basically all like the like the <laughs> D-list of voice actors in video games. Oh, 100%. Like who, no one knows who these people are and it's fine. I'm being, I'm being facetious. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely she is. Uh, but no, it's a really interesting concept and I haven't really seen anything like this before. So from what I can gather from the narrative is that there has been a murder and the main character inherits some sort of powers and the idea is you sing to try to solve the mystery and so while you're singing you will make particular choices which will change the music and the song and then along the way you can also choose character traits which I know also have an impact on the songs you can sing and how the story plays out and blah 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 and I just thought that was really cool like listen I'm not a musical person but Andrea I know you appreciate a good musical I know Simon appreciates a good musical so I immediately thought of you two and I just thought this is a really interesting idea with an incredible cast of characters and I'm like well maybe this will get me to check it out something different and of course with David Gator being the former you know lead writer of Bioware like you, you know it has to be good that's all I'm I saying I mean I'm sold on this because, I mean, Austin Wintory doing music for this and all of the amazing cast members, as you mentioned, like, yeah, let's yeah. go. Yeah, I'm yeah, in. yeah. It looks I'm really in. fun. I think right now it's only confirmed for PC and coming in 2024, but like Switch, man, could you imagine the perfect oh, Switch game? Th- this is yeah. going to be a Steam Deck game for me. 100%. Oh, yeah. There you go. Oh, I forgot. Yes. You do I have Steam Deck. I haven't brought up Steam Deck in a in a hot minute, but look at this. This cast list is about to roll here. I love and the art style, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost got like a Wolf Among Us art vibe. Mm. And like, it's the gods? Yeah, they're gods. Like, yeah, so I'm you have so Apollo, Venus. And yeah, there's just everybody. And it's so cool because I'm playing Hades. And I'm like, I know who you guys are. Janina Gavankar's in there too. And Ashley Johnson. Oh, yeah, amazing. I'm telling you. Yeah, it's real good. The final one I want to call out because I thought the idea was so different and interesting. And like, like I've said this a million times, I know I'm a broken record. Those are the kind of games that are really drawing me in right now, especially when it comes to indie titles, something that tries something different. This is a game called Breeze in the Clouds. And it is a 2D adventure game and it stars a dog named Breeze. And along Breeze's adventures, he will meet cool, weird, interesting looking. I mean, they're not weird looking. They're really cute little animals. <laughs> but each animal represents a pollution. And the actual, let me get the press release pulled up here because I would like to not mess this up. Okay, so Breeze in the Clouds is a 2D hand-drawn side-scrolling action game focused on environmentalism and the second Humble published game to come from Humble's Black Game Developer Fund. And the guy is, he has the best name ever. His name is Sir Billion. And just kind of like listening to his passion. And the game just looks so different. Like when was the last time you play as a dog named Breeze and you have different biomes that represent weather function, like wind and clouds. And Breeze does weather-based attacks and he can do launchers and parries. His attacks cause it, make it rain. He, you know, he basically is trying to confront pollution. Uh, yeah. And I just think that's something different. You don't so see that. So he's Captain Planet, but a dog. Yeah, TLDR. I think you should have written this press release. I think that would have been perfect. Yeah, anyway, it just looks really cute. And here we go. So the actual thing is, the game features a corgi named Breeze who gets swept away from his home and from his best friend Diana and whisked into the weather world of Tropolis. I can't say that right. Sorry, friend. Breeze will need Tropolis? Yeah, thank you, Smarty. I can't see it. I don't know. No, no, you're right. It is Tropolis. You're right. No, you're 100% correct. Breeze will need to use his newfound powers to assume an array of weather-based forms, fight the forces of pollution, poisoning the world and become an unstoppable force of nature like sign me the fuck up you know what I mean (laughs) 
I don't know. I just think they look really cute and fun. So, yeah, like lots of adorable games, and there's many more I couldn't touch on. But, yeah, definitely check it out. It was, it was, it reminded me, like, there's so many good games out there that I think, unfortunately, just kind of get swept under the radar because of games like Zelda. That game. No that one wants game. to play that game. Yeah. Apparently over 10 million people are already playing that game. So I'm one of those 10 million. Well, thank you for that recap on the Humble Games Showcase. If y'all want to learn more about those games... Let's head on over to Humble Games, the yeah. website. Watch all the things. All right. Right now, we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. This episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by BetterHelp. Getting to know yourself isn't just for those wild years in your 20s. It's a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. Learning who you are and how to be the best version of yourself doesn't just happen. It takes some practice. And BetterHelp is here to help you become the best you possible. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding. Because sometimes we don't know what we want or why we react the way that we do until we talk through things. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. Getting therapy can be a life-changing experience. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills or how to set boundaries. And it isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. Here at WGG, you guys know we love to spread the message of it's okay to not be okay. But even when you are okay and things are feeling great and life is going good, it's still important to take care of your mental health because you never know when things are going to change and you want to build up those skills now. So when you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Find more balance. Get BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash What's Good Games today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash What's Good Games. Moving right along with the news. Can you believe it, ladies? There's yet another Lord of the Rings game in development. Yeah, that sounds about right. It keeps on giving. Fanfare, fanfare. <laughs> Listen, I'm very happy that Amazon is taking their IP rights with Lord of the Rings and combining it with another like mega conglomeration, Embracer Group's IP rights with Lord of the Rings and saying, let's make a thing. And I do want to say that where Amazon Games is going, I think is interesting to watch because I think when they first joined the space, we were like, oh, are they going to just focus on Luna? Are they going to be a publishing branch? Are they making original IP? So I think it's going to be very intriguing where they go with this. So the story from The Verge, I do appreciate their cheeky headline. Amazon is making a Lord of the Rings MMO in parentheses again. <laughs> yeah, Amazon does like making MMOs. They're taking another stab at making a massively multiplayer Lord of the Rings game. Today, the company announced they're partnering with Embracer Group, as I mentioned, for a new open world MMO that takes place in, quote, a persistent world set in Middle Earth. I feel like that's the most umbrella statement you could have made when it comes to Lord of the Rings. Guess what, everybody? It's in Middle Earth. <laughs> don't say. So if you guys were under a rock or missed it, they actually, they being Amazon, launched a quite successful MMO called New World back in 2021. And this game, however, though, is in early stages of production. So don't be thinking, well, when's this game coming out? It's probably a good three to four, if not five or six years away. But what I thought was interesting is it's coming to PC and consoles. Yeah. And according to Amazon. And so I assume that it's also coming to Luna. 
Fingers crossed. If Luna's Good still assumption. around by then. Yeah. So, but what The Verge alluded to in their title was that this will be the company's second attempt at a Lord of the Rings MMO. The first was announced back in 2019 and then was canceled two years later. And while Amazon also is clearly funneling lots of money, this is Andrea Renee uh, inserting some editorializing into the Rings of Power, the series on Prime Video. The company says that it is unrelated to the upcoming MMO game in development with Amazon Games. So they're taking just some of their money in a different bucket, essentially. The news comes as Amazon continues to push further into video games as we were talking about. In addition to developing New World, the company has also published Smilegate's Diablo-style Lost Ark. So Smilegate, a gigantic publisher in Asia for people who are like, what the heck is Smilegate? You probably haven't heard of them unless you live in China. And it, meanwhile, Amazon announced a deal with Crystal Dynamics to publish the next Tomb Raider game. If you guys remember, I was talking about that as well. So there's a lot of things kind of like churning in the pot over at Amazon Games that I think is is interesting. But I want to be excited for this. I love the Lord of the Rings. Y'all know this, but like oh, yeah. MMO, really? I got time for a Lord of the Rings MMO. That's what I was curious to ask you. What do you think it would take? Or at this point, are you like MMO? Nope, can't do it. For you to actually sit down on your PC or console, I suppose, and actually spend like a lot of time with this. I can't. I can't even yeah. commit to the MMO that I've already committed, you know, almost a thousand hours to Destiny. You know, like I... right. And I'm not, if there was ever going to be an MMO that I would get into, a Lord of the Rings one would be something I'm really intrigued by because I know so much about that world and that lore. And it's been a part of my life, you know, since I was a kid, having read the books for my whole life. But I just, I know yeah. that MMOs are like the thing. And Amazon in particular has always liked MMOs because they make money and they keep making money and people want to keep announcing MMOs. But I'm not going to pretend that when a press release comes across my inbox and it says new MMORPG, if I just immediately am like, nope, I'm checked out. <laughs> I can't. I cannot. I, how are there enough humans on planet Earth to play all of these MMOs? <laughs> I don't know. I guess there's 4 billion gamers, though. So that's a lot of gamers. They're that's playing a lot all of gamers the MMOs. For all the MMOs. <laughs> yeah, you know, I would really love to see a Lord of the Rings game that takes that single-player narrative-heavy approach, right? Some action RPG shenaniganry going on. And, you know, I think about games like Spider-Man, which obviously is like its own thing, but... That is a game where I play and, I, and I'm excited to be immersed in the Spider-Man lore, right? In that universe. But if it's a Spider-Man MMO, like I'm never really going to get into it. Like Lord of the Rings, like I'm not going to play an MMO. And it's not because I'm not interested. It's just because I don't have the, the time to sink into something like this. You know um, what I we would, need, Brittany? What? Clones. And I know I haven't talked about it, but I'm going to say 24-7 nannies. A million dollars. What? Well, I mean. All of those sh things. Sure. Yes. We need... A uh, Lord of the Rings RPG like we got from Avalanche with Hogwarts Legacy. What yes. the Harry Potter universe got from Hogwarts Legacy, we need for the Lord of the Rings. A single player, progression focused RPG, open world, action and combat intensive, but also really deep world building, world building. and narrative elements that felt really true to the original IP. That's what I want from the Lord of the Rings franchise. And I think a lot of fans of Tolkien's work have been waiting for that. And we, I mean, the last thing we got was from Monolith, right? With, you know, Shadow of Mordor and mm -hmm. Shadow of War. And I, those games were really well done. The, the groundbreaking work they did with the Nemesis system in combat, I thought was excellent. But it still left a little bit to be desired. 
because they were really siloed in the part of the IP that they were allowed to set their narrative in. And mm-hmm. I think if we could get access to like the Lord of the Rings set of timelines that we got from like those, I still remember those PS2 Lord of the Rings games, which were baller. I love those. I think that they could really have something special that could sell a lot of copies on their hand. Yeah. But I don't I know what the that. Tolkien estate is doing with video game companies and that section of the IP. Yeah, that would be so cool, though. So that would give me the perfect opportunity to really dive in balls deep to something like that. Like, I want to learn about that. I don't have time to read the books. I don't want to watch the movies. Like, that's a me problem, and I get that. But, like, if you put it in a video game, I'll try any IP, you know? I remember Lord of the Rings War in the North, I think is what it was. I think that was the co-op one, and I played it on Xbox 360 actually maybe just five years ago. Jason and I fired it up. I think the game came out in early 2000, 2011, maybe, and it was so fun. It was kind of janky, but God, it was a fun co-op game. Even something like that would be awesome because it was narrative-driven, and it was that RPG stuff, and you could play with someone else and just, you know, MMOs, no. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, Yeah. Well, yeah. Andrea, what if you can design your house and find cute outfits? <laughs> You're talking about garden. a Lord of the Rings life sim? <laughs> Ooh, there's oh a lot of God. canon breaking stuff in that potentially, but you know what? I'd be in. I'd make me a little <laughs> Hobbiton hobbit hole and I'd put out a big old like food and cheese spread and invite all my little hobbity friends over and hobbity friends i love that you know, actually there is a lord of the rings online mmo already and it's made by standing stone games and it came out yes 2008 2007 yeah there's been a couple i mean yeah, I, and this one's still going i've talked to you guys about my my lord of the rings mobile era my mic I don't want to call it my dark time, but like my time <laughs> where okay. I was spending a lot of money and a lot. It was my Pokemon Go era. Oh, I'm sorry. Mm. For Brittany as like mm. a. Yeah, I understand. Were that. you a whale? Me um, or her? Mm, Both. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. I was in like three yeah. different alliances, which are Ooh. guilds in the game. So it was a mobile game from Kabam called Middle Earth. The Lord of the Rings, and it was an RTS, and oh. you could form oh. alliances with people. And when you were in a, an alliance in the game, it allowed you to bring those people to help defend your base. Because if you weren't logged in to the game and you got attacked, whatever defenses you had set up would just like auto play in the battles against people oh. who would come and attack you. But if you had alliances, you could like call in your alliances to help defend your positions. And it was interesting because when you were in an alliance, we would keep track of where all the dead farms were because inevitably somebody played the game a lot and then just stopped playing for whatever reason. But the game would keep generating resources on their bases. And so you could keep attacking their bases and like they would only send a couple of waves, like the, like the dummy waves or whatever, like the AI-induced waves. And then you essentially could farm all these like dead castles or lands or whatever that people were no longer actively defending and so we'd keep track of like okay well there's a farm over on this server there's a farm over here you could go here of where (laughs) it was clear that people had once built up a great you know force or whatever in their rts but then we're like i'm busy i'm done with this game (laughs) and you go loot it yeah exactly exactly it's like you break into the castle and you're like "Ah, i'm gonna steal all your gold (laughs) that kind of shit was so fun though right like back then like that was fun yeah i was playing that shit like 12 hours a day oh yeah you were you fucking nerd i love you it was 
and this was a mobile game, everybody. It was a free-to-play mobile game. And when they would put out big packs, if you bought like the $100 micro currency pack, if you bought it through your alliance, everybody in your alliance would get a $25 pack. So oh. what we did is we rotated who was going to buy the pack whenever it would drop. <laughs> and so everyone took turns. And like the alliances, I think, were like 50 people. So you would buy a pack and then everybody in your alliance would get this like huge boost in microcurrency. Anyway, I've gone down the rabbit hole. Now, I'm not opposed to these kinds of games from the Lord of the Rings. Clearly, I like them and I like spending time in them if they're done right. But there's been some of the MMOs. That I, and to be fair, I haven't pl- spent time with Standing Stone Games MMO. And I know that a lot of people like touching the Lord of the Rings IP, but... <sighs> Shout out to Standing Stone, formerly Turbine, who made Asheron's Call, one of the best MMOs of its time. So clearly they know what they're doing making Oh, they know what MMOs. they're doing. So they maybe do. that's they're the really... one I should check out, Britt? I mean, I don't know or if you'll... I shouldn't it's... because I have a baby in a, in a life <laughs> and a husband and I can't abandon them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, don't. Just don't touch anything that has MMO <laughs> at the end of it. I would encourage you to keep an open mind, but just stay far away. That's it. That's the motto we have to keep in this day and age. <sighs> All right. <sighs> well, listen, in yeah. case you missed it, everybody, since we got to wrap up this news segment. Activision Blizzard's deal has I'm so been over approved. It. I'm over it. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm done. I pulled Bobby Kotick's statement since they sent it to me, but it was basically like, yeah, we greased the right people. I went through. <laughs> <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> and I love how the CMA then put out like a little Twitter. It's like a 10 thread rant about their response to this. And it's like, really? Is this how you're going to do your shit? You're going to go on Twitter and be like, this is our response? It's like, ah! it's so fine. stupid. As if it wasn't going to go through. We all knew it was. I know. Um, but <sighs> more exciting news, The Expanse, a Telltale series, has a release date. So I've been looking forward to this one, not only because I'm a fan of what Telltale does, but also love The Expanse. Great series. Uh, so it's coming to PS5, PS4, Series X, S, and Xbox One, and PC via Epic Game Store on July 27th. Hell yeah. So just a couple months away. That's episode one. And then the following four episodes will be released every two weeks allowing players to experience the exciting universe of the expanse. The nostalgia. I just love whenever Telltale has something else because that means we're closer to Wolf Among Us too. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. That would, oh, I'm going to put that on my summer game fest oh. predictions. We are doing our eight ball episode, by the way, everybody. That's coming yeah, up very quickly. So um, keep your fingers peeled for that. Keep your fingers peeled? What's that? What? You know what? I didn't have fingers, everybody. This is how you know, like, I'm going to ride or die for Andrea. Earlier, she was singing the Bluey song. I was just fucking rocking out to it. And then she just said, peel your fingers. I'm like, fuck yeah, peel your fingers. (laughs) Peel your fingers. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, whatever, I'm in. Let's go. Oh, God. It reminds me of the time when we were doing Manscaped ads. Oh, yeah, trim your balls. And I was like, trim your balls, everybody. And I was like, wait, no, don't don't actually trim your balls off. Don't. That's, you, that's a bad you thing. Need you, need, you need professional assistance if you plan to do that. Yes, don't oh, do it with boy. a Manscaped razor. That would not be good. Brittany, you yeah. take over the in case you missed it, because this next one I feel has your name on it. It does. Uh, Layers of Fear has a release date of June 15th for Xbox Series X and S, PS5, and PC. And if you are interested in pooping your pants now, there is a demo available on Steam until May 22nd. (laughs) (laughs) I am both excited and also stressed out about this um, announcement because June 15th, that is a very, very busy time. But... Yeah, you know, it's just a, it's just busy. It's just busy with game releases, but I still really, really want to check this out. So, of course, I'll be playing this. Of course, I'll be begging Bloober for a review. And it'll be like, Help apparently me. you'll be pooping your pants. 
Yeah, of course. That's what happens when I get scared. It's fine. Don't worry about it, Andrea. Just rock with me. Yeah, so this is going to be really interesting because obviously Bloober is working on Silent Hill 2 remake, and I think they have a lot of eyes on them. Obviously, they've done some other games outside of Layers of Fear, The Medium, Blair Witch. They did another one recently, and I can't remember what that one was, but, you know, all been kind of like mixed reviews. So I think Layers of Fear could be a pretty good indicator of, you know, granted, they are taking a lot of their blueprints from Layers of Fear and Layers of Fear 2 and the DLC and there's some new stories being added in some updated mechanics unreal engine 5 is gonna be really pretty so anyway like i believe in bloober team i think they're really really capable and they have a lot of potential and i'm excited to see how this game turns out with a shiny new coat of paint the trailer looks really pretty and scary are you gonna play it no yeah I know. Girl, come on <laughs> Well, you know, she was she was she was rubbing a little bit. She's like, "Ooh, it looks really pretty." I might like peek behind, like from behind the door when Danny's playing, and like then run out because Danny's into this kind of stuff, right? Like he he's oh yeah yeah yeah, and he loves Bloober. Like he's he really enjoyed the medium, and I know he's looking forward to this one for sure. Hell yeah, we'll have to have him on when y'all play. Absolutely. Oh, now that guy coming to this show, (laughs) never. (laughs) Nah, nah. I wasn't able to attend, but I did watch the showcase. So if you don't know, USC Games has a really great program where they have folks in their, I think it's their media and games division, do an expo every year. This year, they're back in person after quarantine shutdowns. And they showcased 60 different games from their students. So... 10 of them actually made their video um, and this was streamed on IGN. But the one that I really, really want to talk about is called Try Again. So without spoiling the trailer, because I I think Andrew may be able to pull it up. Think Mm -hmm. Portal meets Inside. And it's just two characters, voices by Stephanie Kerbis and Nolan North. And it's described as a fast piece meta 2.5D platformer where the game character is a tester and the builder or the designer is a cell phone that hovers above the character telling them, hey, this game needs to be done tomorrow. I need you to test a couple more levels. And you play as this character, Benny, that's running through the levels to test it for the designer. And it's this incredible meta relationship. And there's like this huge reveal at the end of the trailer where it's like, oh, Benny isn't the only Benny. So it just looks really cool and super vibey. And I just love this type of game. Um, This is a student game? This is a student game. So it's coming to PC. You can wishlist it on Steam. This is amazing um, for, I mean, I, listen, I haven't played it, but like just watching it looks yeah. great for a student game because I've seen quite a few student games over mm-hmm. my my years. I'm old. <laughs> um, but like this is, this is impressive. Yeah, it, it was by far the, the most impressive one that I saw. I know Danny went to the actual expo, but wasn't able to get through the line to test it. It was the hotness at the expo for sure. So I'm really looking forward to this. Um, I'm going to be waiting very, very impatiently for it to come <laughs> to Steam so I can play it on my Steam deck. But it looks like a really cool experience. That's so you should cool check it out. That's a cool idea for a game. So there are so many smart people in this world. Yeah. Think about something like that. Awesome. And to yeah. gre- get Nolan North. In your game, yeah. like, that's impressive as well. Very cool. I mean, USC, like they, they got the hookups apparently over there. If well, anybody's one interested of the most in game design, gaming programs in the country. So, if anybody listening is interested in studying game design or has a child or a relative friend, whoever has been like, oh, I think I want to go to school for game design, like the USC program is one of the most prestigious in the country, and they have fantastic professors. So, yeah, but yeah, let's yeah. try again on my list now, my watch list. 
Sounds like Very a lot of death cool. in that game. Yeah, definitely. Try again. Cool. That doesn't <laughs> sound fun for me, though. All right. Well, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about me cooking all the mushrooms, everybody. It's going to be great. <laughs> Stick with us, everybody. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody. It is the second segment of the What's Good Games podcast, where we talk about what we've been playing and any preview events we have been to. And as most of you out there who own a Nintendo Switch, we have also, yes, been playing The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. When we did the podcast last week, the review scores had just come out. As Brittany mentioned, we get our codes the day of launch. So thank you to Nintendo. But I believe both Brittany and I also bought the code because oh. we didn't want to wait for the code that came in Friday morning. We're like, nah, we're both going to just buy the game. So oh, the oh, version I'm yeah. playing is definitely the version I bought. So Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The Thursday, was it? No, no, it was Wednesday. I pre-downloaded it. Bought it, pre-downloaded it. Thursday, 9 p.m. Pacific hit. Jason and I were upstairs. I had a glass of whiskey. I had popcorn. Well, he had popcorn. I was playing. And I was like, you think you're playing this game to start, sir? I was like, oh, no, no. You can dirty your fingers with that popcorn, but I'm playing. Anyway, so we both were drinking and snacking and 9 o'clock hit and we booted that up. And oh, my God, that was that was a cool moment. So, okay, yeah, I, lay, I lay it on me, Brittany. Ah, yeah. OK, so I have a lot of thoughts. 90 percent of them are very, very positive. Positive thoughts is I feel like the concerns and the issues I had with Breath of the Wild feeling very vast, very open, very empty, every town, every NPC feeling very lifeless, feeling like there was no care or attention given to them. I feel like that has been more or less completely remedied is what I'll say. I feel like the world feels living and breathing. I think the characters don't feel like they were just translated from like a copy paste. I feel like they all have somewhat of a personality. Now, is this game like doing the very, very best job at character development and NPC writing? And No, absolutely not. But it is a vast improvement over what Breath of the Wild was. I love going to towns. I love exploring. I feel compelled to explore. There are some... That I'm getting to the negative things, but no, like, and I love that this feels like there's a lot more emphasis on story this time around, and some of the implications of some of the stuff I see. I'm nerding out over the Zelda timeline, which let's just be real, it's a crock of shit anyway. But I'm always like trying to figure out, like, is this this? Is could this be that? Like, where does this fit in? And I think I have an idea, but I mean, I'm just having a really great time. Jason and I are playing our own separate games. We did start it together just for like you know the the excitement of it all. But he's playing his, I'm playing mine. There are moments where we will be like, okay, let's both go to this shrine or let's both explore the castle together you know we're both playing our thing and um but you know the game's obviously the same and chests are more or less the same so it's always like the same experience for us but it's like we're playing at co-op so that's been really fun and special and the uh just the idea of exploring this world and just feeling like i just want to keep going and i'm hardly doing any story stuff because i just want to keep finding gear and getting better and whether or not i'm actually getting better is like up for discussion i don't really know because the progression in this game is, is kind 
kind of odd. Um, but yeah, like so far, I'm I'm just having a really really good time, and I'm very pleasantly surprised by the improvements that have been made. And I'll just pin it at that. Andrea and Ree, how are you two feeling? Okay, I'm. I you know what? That's about as I expected your initial impressions to go. How far into the game are you, like, hours-wise, knowing that you're doing your Brit level of exploration, taking your time? Oh, God. Uh, 20, maybe? Okay. Okay, that's, a decent, that's a decent amount. Mm-hmm. Rihanna. Yes. How are you feeling about Tears of the Kingdom? I don't think we've ever really talked to you about your history with the Legend of Zelda franchise. Oh, that's because there is none. This is my <laughs> first Zelda game. <laughs> your very first Zelda game. My very first Zelda Ooh, game. Okay. So exciting, fresh perspective. I'm into it. Yeah. So I, I've heard a lot of feedback from people who have much more experience with Zelda saying that this is a huge improvement on past iterations, especially Breath of the Wild. I don't have that to compare it to. So for me, this game has been fun and cute and hilarious and very flexible. But there are some moments that I've experienced where I see the world, it's opened up, I killed something and took their horse and then just rode off into the distance, found a town and tried to do some stuff and immediately got hard blocked at a shrine. And I was like, okay, maybe I should actually figure out what this storyline is or do some kind of quest line. So it didn't feel as free and open as I expected it to be based on some of the experiences of heard other people talk about were you in the sky um i was round in the sky i know i was i was at one of the this, something with the rings and then oh, i found a shrine okay. there that i was just not prepared for because i Got didn't it. have a certain set of equipment so i spent a lot of time just doing shenanigans like i tried to build a car and then i found a rocket somewhere and i tried to build a rocket ship and ended up dying a lot um <laughs> I, like there was just a lot of experimentation for me because i just wanted to see how far the game could be pushed like without paying attention to the storyline and it, it quickly became clear to me it's a bit more of a requirement than i thought initially mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but i have had three very incredible experiences that i wanted to share number one I accidentally set a tree branch that I was holding on fire and then I threw it at a group of ostrich looking things and then it turned into seared meat. So that was cool. <laughs> yeah. That's uh that's definitely like peak Zelda. Yeah. Yeah. That was fantastic. I dropped into a body of water unexpectedly and then realized by accident that I can catch fish just by swimming next to them. Yeah. So that was too that was pretty cool too. And then I died again because I drowned because yeah, you know, happens. stamina. Yeah. Stamina. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That but stupid then, green wheel. <laughs> That green wheel sucks. And then also, I didn't realize you are not allowed to attack the chickens. Oh, um, oh that's such yeah. a rite of passagery. I am so excited for you. Being killed by cuckoos is like the thing <laughs> that every Zelda player must experience at least once in their life. And then you become an idiot and then you attack them on purpose because it's nostalgic. I've been is killing it? those bastards since Super Nintendo Link to the Past. Yeah. I mean, Congratulations. I saw it. I was like, hey, free chicken leg. I'm in a little town. Like, let me just grab it. There's a cook pot right next door. And they just fucking swarmed me. And I actually saved a clip of it and I can send it. So maybe anybody who's listening to this podcast, go check out our YouTube video because it's going to be great. I'm so um, happy for you. That's yeah, really- it was wonderful. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, but, yeah. Uh, you don't. You don't. Based on those experiences alone, 10 out of 10. I love this game. <laughs> That's fun. That I'm glad makes you're me happy it. that, you know, as a new Zelda person, you are experiencing the wonder and magic that Nintendo really captured with Breath of the Wild. And they've obviously continued with Tears of the Kingdom. 
when the review scores came out, I wasn't surprised at all that I got perfect scores from nearly everybody who got early access, but I also knew it was going to because it's the exact same formula that they won with with Breath of the Wild that they're just using again in Tears of the Kingdom and have they expanded upon it? Of course they have. Like they've definitely added some really interesting new gameplay mechanics and the ability to combine things and I think my favorite part about watching reaction has not been seeing the expected critical reception which was like oh my god Zelda fap but instead is yes I'm sorry I couldn't resist like the, no, the, fan, the fanboy fapping over Zelda is fucking real but instead was watching what developers video game developers who work at other companies who work on very different kinds of games are saying about what Nintendo's team has done with this game because that to me I think is really exciting this idea that other developers look at the technology that Nintendo is employing because Nintendo is pretty secretive about the way that they develop their games and all the tools that they use and I think it's always interesting when devs are like yo I don't know how they did this thing in Tears of the Kingdom like I don't know how they made it so that you can recall the things that you've dropped on the ground in this massive open world in this particular way. It's like that, those engineering feats that are usually buried in code and take engineering of like hundreds of team members figure out like how to do it. I think that's always exciting to me to remind me why working in this industry and covering video games still is so awesome and so cool that the technology keeps changing, the developers keep learning from each other and there's still so much like magic, like cinema magic is what, you know, I kind of call some of the stuff in Hollywood that still exists in video games. And I think that's been really rewarding for me to kind of seeing people on Twitter or on Facebook or, you know, Blue Sky or whatever platform you're on now <laughs> talking about, you know, what they appreciate and love about the magic of Nintendo. Yeah, and I think that's also a point I wanted to bring up of why I love this game so much is... It's like they built their own world with its own laws of physics. And they encourage you to, quote, break the game, but you don't really break the game. If you can think it, there's a good chance you can do it. There's been no, a lot I, of those moments. I definitely broke the game. Definitely broke oh, it. We'll hear about your experience. I broke it. Sure. Yeah, I'll, and it's we'll funny hear about because that. How I broke the game was very similar to how John broke the game in Breath of the Wild. So. And there's only a very small section, I think, of play time where you can actively, like, break the game. And when I say break the game, I mean, is there probably an enterprising individual that could have figured out a way for me to get out of my situation? Probably not. For him, John, to get out of his situation? Maybe. So Can for I take a guess of where it was? Was it in the islands? Yeah, it was in the Great Sky Islands in the beginning, in the opening section of the game. Did so, you have a lack of resources? No. Okay. So right, we'll talk about that later. for some context. So John, when he was playing Breath of the Wild, got to one of the snowy cold areas probably much earlier than he should have or that Nintendo anticipated. And he used his stamina as he was allowed to, to climb up into this cold mountain and then froze to death and then kept respawning on the top of the mountain, but then couldn't fall down or climb down and was stuck in a loop of being respawned, freezing to death, dying. And then you know how, how it goes. And so yeah. I was like, yeah, that feels like the game shouldn't have allowed you to do that. And I was like, no, definitely, definitely not. But it did. And so for me, what happened was I 
looked up a guide. Okay, so listen. I was like, <laughs> I ain't fucking around with Tears of the Kingdom. I ain't got time to go like leisurely explore everything. I want I want a little hint. And then when I get to the back half, when I feel a little bit more powerful, my weapons aren't breaking every 20 minutes, then I'll take my time and kind of explore and cook and discover, right? But in the beginning, I'm like, there's got to be a bunch of guides already. Let me just like go to the internet. And I found that in the Great Sky Islands, the opening tutorial area, this is all going to be spoiler free, of course, because <laughs> I'm still in the tutorial area, everybody, <laughs> because my, I had to play five or six hours and then erase my game and start over. They were like, you should go get these greaves, these leg armor to help with cold resistance. And I was like, God, that fucking annoyed me so bad. And Breath of the Wild, I hated the cold, having to make those fucking pepper potions all the fucking time. <laughs> so I was like, I'm definitely just going for those like right away. So I got dropped down to where you cut the open exploration area. And I just like beelined on the map to where these, it said the greaves were. Turns out though, Brittany and Rihanna, if you don't go to the Temple of Time, first immediately after getting dropped into the tutorial area it breaks the fucking game for you ah. what, what's the guy's name saru naru raru yes there it is raru <laughs> whatever the guy's name is doesn't appear doesn't appear to <gasps> you never shows oh. up so like i found one of the other shrines and i was like what is this weird like like seed looking thing that's in there there's no like green swirly thing above it because i haven't activated Rauru and his like magical arm powers yet. <laughs> so I'm like, what is this thing? I can't get in there. So I'm just like, do to do exploring. I find some Korok seeds. I find some cool weapons. I clearly get my ass beat because I went to the hardest. It reminded me of Elden Ring when I accidentally got <laughs> teleported to like the super hard part of the map before I was supposed to and just like got my ass handed to me. Yeah. But I appreciate at least that from software didn't make it so that broke the game for me and then I had to start Elden Ring over from the beginning in order to progress. They were like, you can get out of this. You can survive this. We will give you away. But in Tears of the Kingdom, if you don't go to the Temple of Time and initiate mm -hmm. Raru <laughs> right away and activating Link's arm and activating the shrines, it never activates. And, and you then, can't go after that? No, because once you drop down, because I, I started exploring, but then, you know, you can dive off of these yep. really high areas into water and not die. I was like, oh, that's a cool feature. I like that. But yeah. turns out when you do that, there's no way to get back fucking up unless you have Ultra Hand. And I was so like... So you, you dive from the Sky Islands down to the broader Hyrule? No, no, no. Because you can't get down to broader Hyrule until you do the three shrines. Right. But so I got to were, a point, I explored literally for hours i spent my entire flight from los angeles to boston a whole five hours trying to find a way to get back to the temple of time after having gone from east to south then to the western side of the great sky islands could not find a way to get back without ultra hand to fuse things together in order for me to get the platforms there was just uh, literally no way for me to get right, back yeah. and i was like i was like do i really have to i had that moment where i was like i put my switch down and i was like okay i'm not gonna rage I'm not gonna rage because i was like i've been exploring a really long time and i looked up i probably looked up a dozen guides all the big sites everything 
it reminded me that people who write guides are thankless and don't get paid enough, but also that Shout they out as, to guides. But they yeah. assume also that you know a lot about what's happening. And I was like, these guides clearly need to like dumb it down a little bit more. <laughs> um, because they're like, Oh, you should just go here and go here. I go, Yeah, but you're assuming that I read the whole guide before I just like jumped off and started exploring and I didn't I didn't read the whole thing. Uh, I just started playing. And yeah, none of at the, that point, all you have is your stamina meter to try to climb. And right. You can't fuse and, and I was able to make quite a few because I found a lot of st the stamella mushrooms or whatever they're called. And I was able to make a lot of that. But like I couldn't even climb because the islands aren't connected. Right. So I couldn't even jump across like because in order to move through some of the islands, you literally have to move platforms with ultra hand. Or you have to build like one of those little platforms that you use the hooks to go on the railings to get between mm -hmm. some of the islands in the beginning. So I was like, okay, I literally have no choice. I read so many guides trying to figure out how to get back. Nothing. All of the guides oh, were like, sucks. you just go to the Temple of Time first, don't you? You just head to this area first. And I was like, yeah, that seems like a really like smart thing to do is just go straight down the path because the path is like, here's the, here's the stairs, just go straight. <laughs> but instead, I was like, I'm going to turn left and go this way because the game allowed me to, which is brilliant, but also broken. Because if you're going to do a tutorial area that's going to then gatekeep me out of another, getting out of the tutorial area and I have to do these shrines then you should just l force me to do at least the first shrine before I'm allowed to even explore that other section. And I got so mad about it. <laughs> it's yeah. like, listen, Nintendo, like, I appreciate that you let me explore, but you didn't let me explore enough to, and then give me a way to get back. And so I had That's, to literally just like delete that whole save and start over. And I was- That sucks. I, I was feel, sad. Yeah. I was sad mm -hmm. panda. So I'm very behind yeah. now and I'm like still salty about it. Huh. Yeah, that's rough. I feel like that would be something that they would consider first and foremost. And I mean, if you were a noob gamer, I'd be like, you probably just didn't know what to do. But I believe in your skills. And so who knows? That sucks, though. That's but it's rough. not even about, I think, me not knowing what to do. I think if a game designer wants and requires you to have a special ability, then you have to put that in my path intentionally and not let me deviate from unlocking it. Like, and that's I'm, one of my... They could have done it in the cave, right? In the, like, the whole section where you're like waking up or whatever. And this is not spoilery because it's literally like, the first like 20 minutes of the game. It's like... Also you, the abilities that we've seen already in previous of, stuff. Of course, yeah. everything that's yeah. public on trailers and whatnot. But like when you wake up and do this thing, like then have like King, the King of Hyrule or whatever or Raro, whoever, <laughs> like make you do the shrine first before you get you even see the rest of the Great Sky Islands. And then, you know, let if you want the players to be able to explore, then let them do that. But I was like, this just feels like they broke it. And when I was telling, because John was sitting next to me on the plane, he saw that I was just getting like more and more heated. I was like, I, I can do this. There's got to be a way, right? Like Nintendo wouldn't make this like so that I could not go to the first shrine. But what I realized after starting the game over is that Rauru then starts appearing to you wherever you come into contact with the other Zonai. Then you could talk to him and he gives you things. And I was like, none of that appeared for me in any section of the game. So I was like, it clearly never triggered. He wasn't so, flagged, yeah. So I was like, ah, yeah. I broke the game somehow. That sucks. Oh, well, that sucks. That's, that's, I mean, that's really shitty. And like more of like what I was saying was, 
that is one of my complaints about Tears of the Kingdom so far is that, you know, when I said, you know, if you were a noob, I would understand. I hate using that word noob. It sounds so stupid. But, you know, you as someone who has played many, 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 many video games, you have that that mindset of like, how can I work this in a video game world to accomplish my goal? But if you've never played Breath of the Wild, and I mean, there's there's new people to this game, and I still feel like you have to accommodate those folks who haven't played the first one. It doesn't feel like it's very beginner friendly, and that's why Iria was really interested to hear your thoughts. Like, you know, we've played this. We know if we're going into the cold, we have to build pepper potions and pepper food and stuff like that. We know that, but I feel like it doesn't really tell you how to exist in this world. And I just thought that would have been interesting to get someone's perspective on. And you were just perfect. Yeah. For that. I mean, for, for the cold, and this is something that I did want to point out that I think they did well, but I'm also a gamer. Like if right. there's people who are just younger or just haven't played as many adventure games, this might be harder to pick up one. But I did notice, like, for instance, there's a section where you get introduced to the cold damage mechanic. There's a little patch of cold that you can venture off into, but not go anywhere else. And then you realize, oh, this hurts. And then it very, very clearly communicates that to you. And then you can like back up very easily, not like the way John had in Breath of the Wild. And then there's a person in the very next area who explains, cook these things in order to make yourself more resistant to cold. So I think it if did a you okay go that job route. at that. If you go that but route. But that's I only if you route, go that you route. You found that person on the very <laughs> end of the path, on the bottom of the hill, because yes. I started yeah. on the other side and I was like, oh, I know. I saw the peppers. I know how to cook this shit. I'm ready because I played <laughs> Breath of the Wild. And I, I was like, I played all of it. I, I defeated all the thing. I, I beat Ganon. I fucking like, you know, <laughs> I played a lot of Breath of the Wild, which we talked about, mm-hmm. you know, literally years ago at this point. But that, that was my issue, though, is that they put the tutorial, and I'm glad you brought that up, Brittany, because they put tutorial pathing in the game, but they put it only in very specific places and the whole shtick of Tears of the Kingdom and Breath of the Wild is that it's open exploration for player discovery. And that's what's magical about it. But you're right that it is just not beginner friendly unless you play it exactly as how they intended. I think that's particularly true in the beginner area. I think once you hit the wider world, then it's kind of like go on with your bad self, do whatever the hell you want. But that was something I actually ran into myself is I was I built this really cool like log ladder and I clearly wasn't supposed to be in the frozen area. And so I went from point A to point B. I'm now like shivering my ass off. Link is dying. But I'm like, I know what I have to do. I'm like, what did I miss? And I missed a small little entrance to a cave where I found my first cooking pot and I probably wasted I don't know probably 20 to 30 minutes trying to figure out like I know what I have to do but like wait and it, the fact that it was so shoe lined like you have to go into this cave that's mm-hmm. where you have to go and it's so it's not the best tutorial area is what I will say and I think we're all probably in agreement with that but once you hit the wider world it's kind of like go on with your bad self and that's when I think the magic truly shines it's where you can pull yeah. out a pot whenever you want you can go wherever you want do how you want and that was one of my concerns was I'm not really big into like the physics the crafting and survival stuff like in in a certain games I'm I'm down with that but I was worried with this that it's going to be so like physics intensive and you have to build all these things a certain way but my concerns have been mostly alleviated alleviated in the sense that you can build whatever you want like we we said at the beginning of the show I've seen people build beautiful skateboards and mechs I've seen weird like towers with flaming dicks and I'm like that is really cool here is my makeshift like raft thing if you can even call it that but it gets me to where I need to go and it does what 
I needed to do. So in that sense, I'm, I'm happy that it's not this stressful, like I gotta wrap my head around this, I have to understand it. And at first it was a little like that, but once it clicked, I got it. And I think that's really cool. But you know, like I do like that part about it and it's not as intrusive as I thought it would be and it doesn't get too much into the way of the Zelda formula that I had kind of feared it would. So that that's a pretty big relief. But I do want to put a petition out there. And the petition is, don't penalize people for falling off cliffs and shrines. Don't do it. Yeah, that's annoying. Because like, the shrines in, are required yeah. to learn how all this stuff works. So like, yes. let me learn in a safe space. And Because if I die, I'm just going to come back anyway. So why would the you make me go through that groundwork? The is just forever missing. And I just oh, cannot yeah. continue to give Nintendo a pass. It's so frustrating because Nintendo makes such magic that we're all huge, deep fans of... And I see other people in the video games industry making incredible strides in accessibility. And Nintendo just will not do it. And it's so aggravating now to the point where I'm like, why? Why can you not put accessibility settings in? I literally went into the menu as I was going through my very frustrating time in the fucking, the fucking tutorial area. Being like, okay, let me at least try to fast track by turning on some of the more you know, baby ass baby mode settings. Turns out there are no fucking toggles. There's nothing. There's no yeah. accessibility settings outside of you can swap the jump button, which I did, but that's it. You can swap the fucking jump button and you can turn, you know, aiming with motion controls on or off. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh yeah, cool. <laughs> Nintendo, really, with all of the money you have and with all of the resources at your disposal, this is the best you can do I'm calling bullshit on it. I'm calling bullshit on your accessibility and your inefficient and lack of commitment towards making these magical experiences available for everybody. Like, I'm mad about it. I'm mad oh, yeah. about it's it. Been an, it's been an issue for a really long time. So it's it's nothing new, but it is pretty disappointing to see because I feel like, you know, a lot of strides have been made and voices have been raised when it comes to accessibility in games and to see it just completely... Girl, I don't even think there's like a, a slider to change the brightness in the game. There isn't! It's bad! <laughs> or, for or for text. It's, or for text, it is what yeah. It is. There's like, nothing! I'm walking around and I can't... It's like I'm blinded and I'm like, where am I going? Let me just turn the brightness down. Nope, you can't do that. But... Yeah, you know, and there's a lot of little things like that where I think there could have been a lot of, I mean, obviously accessibility is a very, it's a much larger issue, but when it comes to like quality of life improvements, little things like that, like why am I being penalized for dying in a shrine? Why can't I change the brightness in a game? Why is everything so expensive? Why are you allowing people to in enter shrines if they cannot finish them? And yes. if you do walk into a shrine, it should say like, yo, you can't finish this yet. We ran into one of those issues where Jason hadn't acquired the glider yet, and you have to use the glider to finish the shrine unless there's some other way like I can't wrap my head around. But Ri, you, you encountered something too. So yeah, you know, and I think I just remind myself that these 10 out of 10 ratings and these like five out of five ratings, they're never, not everyone classifies that as a perfect game. And I think I have to keep reminding myself of that because I am loving Tears of the Kingdom. It is what I have wanted. I haven't even come across my first dungeon yet. And I am just like giddy to get back and play and discover and learn and like figure out like what is going on in this world. I have, I'm so excited to meet characters that were in Breath of the Wild and figure out where the lore ties in and what's going on with the Demon King and like what's all of this stuff. So it's really, really good. But yeah, like, you know, there are some, there are some little issues here and, uh, you know, no such thing as a perfect game, I guess. And no. everyone's experience in a game like this is going to be vastly different. Absolutely. I basically yeah. think if you felt 
a certain way about Breath of the Wild, you're going to feel that exact same certain way about Tears of the Kingdom. If you thought it was the bee's knees, the best game ever, like best game ever made, definitely just going to think Tears of the Kingdom is more of that that fucking hotness. And that's okay, because like there is a lot of hotness in this game. But if you're like, hey, like I had some issues and some trouble with some of the gameplay design elements and choices, you're going to have problems with that exact same amount of stuff in Tears of the Kingdom and I'm just gonna like be very clear about that I don't think Nintendo went far enough to rectify or dramatically change some of the issues and problems I had with Breath of the Wild though as I already said thought it was a phenomenal game and finished it and played a lot of that game would have loved to just see them address some of that and say hey let's make this game even better let's not just add new cool bells and whistles and gameplay and allow you to like yeet Koroks into the sun which apparently a lot of people are doing I actually did that and I felt so bad I sent that little fucker on a rocket his his friend was so far away across the valley and I'm like listen dude like I love you I got this shrine I gotta get to I'm gonna aim for this and hope for the best and he bounced off that like a pinball and disappeared into a poof and I still from what I've turned like you from what I've turned is what I just said that's funny but from what I've heard they can't permanently die but like he hasn't come back he's gone I keep going yeah he hasn't though like so I'm getting at he's gone and it's been like 10 in-game days and homeboy is not back so whatever I will say a couple a couple quick fire things side quests are great I love that they seem valuable at least the ones I've done so far oh yeah yeah, yeah. Um, that's a great point Rita bring up and I just want to like bounce off that real quick is mm -hmm. that was one of my concerns of Breath of the Wild is that the side quest just felt really like pointless I'm like why am I going to do this the characters aren't interesting the rewards aren't I wasn't the biggest fan of Breath of the Wild I thought it was great but I was like as far as the Zelda game goes like meh but they really 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 remedy that in this one so that's a great point to bring up thank you I'd also say echoing what Andrea said everything's way too expensive I can't buy shit and I've been playing yeah. for 10, 10 hours. That's stupid. It's also, really weapons degrading and even if I fuse them, it's still bullshit that is yellow and I don't like that because like, why would you let me waste something on something that's already yellow? Don't do that. Don't let me do that. I just, yeah, it's really frustrating. Yeah, the, I've already said my piece about, I don't care if it's a Nintendo game or a, a, somebody else's game. I hate weapon degradation in games, period. I play video games for fantasy I want to feel strong and powerful. I don't want to be picking up sticks every 10 fucking feet because I hit three people with my branch and it fucking breaks. Okay. I think so quick. Obviously, like as you play and like, I don't know if I'm much farther than y'all, you know, you do get better stuff, stuff that's more powerful. And then I think the fusing mechanic is really, really heavily relied on because there's this narrative reason why everything is decayed. And I'm like, that's yeah. kind of the cop out. Like, I get it, but like, I don't get it. So I hope that changes yeah. as you progress in the game. But I mean, even for me, like it took me a while. I was like, I don't want to fuse stuff every time I get a it's new exhausting. weapon. It's like, exhausting. It's way it too much tiring. It gets old and it feels like work. you have to. And it, it doesn't does feel, feel like fun work. or creative it, after it does. The first it feels, five it times. feels gimmicky and repetitive. And I appreciate that you're like, it gets stronger, but like, of course it does. It's a fucking RPG. It better get stronger. Yeah. Well, I'm saying <laughs> Let it's me a drop little bit. It. More, Don't make it break. <laughs> you get the point I was getting at is you pick up better materials that makes the weapons last longer and they're more powerful. So it's not like you're losing a tree branch every two seconds, right? Yes. You have I, a, a, I did an use like the most basic example. That's yeah. that's fair. That's on me. I think I just think of. Breath of the Wild and how 
I didn't feel that annoyance of weapon degradation go away until I got the Master Sword. And that's like very late game, you know? <laughs> so that's why I'm hoping maybe something changes narrative-wise that, that changes yeah. that. But like, who knows? And also the, I was also want to point out that the the ex, the rewards for exploration is really great. Like I'm finding really cool armor sets. And I'm, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the magic of it, right? I just hopped into this game. I aimlessly started wandering with nowhere in particular. I went down a chasm. I found a random chest. And then I found one of my most anticipated pieces of armor in the game. And that was such a cool, magical moment for me. And I grunted and Jason thought I was dying. But it was like, this is fucking (laughs) awesome. This is so cool. But they do have those moments. And that's when the game really shines. But, you know, I think we would be doing a disservice to everyone if we were out here talking like this game is absolutely perfect in every which way, which I feel like, you know, some of the, the reviews and the hype has made it seem. But there definitely are some issues. But that doesn't mean it's a bad game. It just means, you know, oh, I there's some universally problems. can agree. I think we all can say it's not a bad game. This game is not no. a bad game <laughs> no. by any by any stretch of the imagination. Anybody who's giving it like, you know, like a six or lower is is clearly just salty about something in their life and taking it out on Nintendo. Um, there is a six out of ten out there. Yeah. Is there a six out of ten? Uh-huh. I'm sure there is, oh. of course, because Weird. you know, video or a games. 60, but yeah. No, this game is great. Do I wish that they, like most Nintendo games, had put a little bit more budget into their graphics? Yes, because <laughs> while I'm going to play the majority of this game in handheld mode on my OLED Switch, I docked it so I could play it on a TV. Because last time when I played Breath of the Wild, I didn't. I only docked my Switch to do the four major shrines and then the Ganon fight. Otherwise, I mostly just played in handheld mode for the majority wow. of the game. And so wow. then I was going to be like, oh, like, let me check it out. And like, girl, it did not look good on a 4K 85-inch TV. It looks janky as fuck. <laughs> it does look a lot better in handheld. And also props to you because I play on ha- handheld and I suck. Like, I do so much better with the pro controller. And then I, you know, I'm like, I'll just play this in bed. Oh, no. I have to avoid all combat because it's just like, mm-hmm. and plus with my nails, I can't fucking hit the buttons right. It's a We got to get you a fixture. Man, yeah, yeah. I'll send you one. I had one last quick fire thing to say. Oh, sorry. That's okay. But the one last thing I wanted to add that, because again, this is all new to me. So I don't know how how this compares to previous games. But I do appreciate that when you go and talk to NPCs, they talk about things that are relevant. And some of them are are just like, oh, you know, I lost my horse or my cabbages or whatever. But there (laughs) there are a few where it's like, oh, someone's reading a newspaper and they tell you about something that's going on in this region. And it reminds you, oh, there's missions over there that I need to get to. So I do appreciate that there is some life and some usefulness to talking to NPCs across the world. Hell yeah. And that's again, really cool. That's a really big improvement. The last game was like, my butt itches. And you're like, cool. <laughs> it was a lot of like empty that, exploration. Yes, yeah. That was a big, that was a big gripe. A fair gripe. But no, that's great. I love, and Rhea, I'll want to hear all of your thoughts like whenever you have the time to tell me because this is fascinating <laughs> to me. <laughs> We're definitely going to have, have more. more to say about Zelda and want to hear what you guys have to say. I do want to just give a quick shout out to a movie I finally watched on the plane when I got, when I was like, I'm done with you, Zelda. <laughs> I needed to watch a movie to like cleanse on the way back. I finally watched Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yes. And I know that watching it on an airplane tiny screen is not ideal that I'm going to watch it again in all of its 4K glory on my giant television in my living room. But, oh, my God, I was not prepared for the hot dog finger scene. (laughs) 
I literally, Wait, which one? There's a couple. The the first one I like, and I, that's all I'm gonna say. I'm not gonna go into elaborate for people this. who haven't seen. But I lost my shit <laughs> and started laughing so hard I started crying. It looked like I was weeping, but I was laughing so hard I couldn't breathe. And John's like, what? "Oh my god, what am I gonna do?" And the woman next to me was like, "Are you okay?" <laughs> I was like, "I'm fine." Just like that movie is. Like incredible <laughs> on so many levels, I can't even begin. But like, I just wanted. If someone has no context and is watching this scene you're talking about, oh my! Oh my God, Brittany, you haven't seen it yet either. No, Brittany's not no. a movie watcher. Now Jason oh. watched it, and I like kind of yeah. peeked around and like looked, and it was really confusing. But well, I will yeah, say, that, that it's sense. a story yeah. about motherhood at its core and about mm-hmm. acceptance. And <laughs> it's <laughs> isn't it so good? And it just Girl, gets better. It just gets better. Like the little tiny scenes of. Okay. I, I, anyway, I don't want to spoil it if you haven't watched it. There's. I, and I tweeted. There's no way to describe this movie to somebody and be like, let me tell you the premise, the plot of this movie. <laughs> just watch it and thank me later. And like, it's it's amazing. And, and Jeff Kanata first told me about this movie right after because he saw the press preview before it launched, and <laughs> I was like. Jeff, you do realize I'm going to have to pay at least $200 to go see this in a theater because I have to get a babysitter and then we have to get the tickets and all this. And he was like, it's worth it. And I was like, okay, you say that. But I knew nothing about this movie, though I love Michelle Yeoh. Like, stan her. She's amazing. I'm so glad she won so many awards. And everybody who worked in this movie deserves all the awards and more. But I wish I had taken him up on it. But, like, I didn't at the time. So, regrets. But watch it. It's very good. Very good. (laughs) Yeah, just and now you have a good story about watching it on an airplane. Yes. And now, Brittany, you can just keep that around for whenever you need to chuckle. <laughs> I'm never going to unsee this. Like, it's not going to happen. <laughs> and I can't even explain to you, it, like, in any reasonable <laughs> amount of time, like, why this scene exists in the movie. But it it's kind of better not knowing, honestly. It makes it makes sense. But yeah, it's good. It's good. The movie's phenomenal and wonderful. So. Speaking of phenomenal and wonderful and people who are fantastic on screen, we have an amazing interview with the wonderful Jennifer Hale. She is so awesome. I, I, I got a little, like you guys know, I've, I've said I've got starstruck. I didn't get a starstruck this interview, but we had her on the show a couple years back when she was promoting her first audiobook. And she's working on another audiobook this time around. And we talk about her book and we talk about, well, it's not her book. She's, she's voicing the book, I should say. We talk about a lot of things, including her very passionate feelings on what's happening with the WGA writer's strike, the Writers Guild, the strike that's happening in Hollywood right now. Obviously, as a voice actress, she's affected immensely. We also talk about AI and how that's mm. affecting voice acting and acting in general and voices and the interview was just phenomenal and she's wonderful and we're so grateful that she gave us some time to be on the show so i want to kick it over to our interview with the fantastic jennifer hale enjoy what's good everybody andrea renee here with a very special guest returning to the show please welcome the phenomenal voice actress the legend the one and only jennifer hale is here welcome back to the show Thank you, Andrew and I. It's so, so good to be here. Thank you, everybody out there. I am overjoyed to be here and get to talk with you. The last time we had you on the show, we were like in the thick of the pandemic and 
things were kind of discombobulated both on the Hollywood side of things and in video games. And it's good to see that things are kind of just as discombobulated in a very different way right now. <laughs> I think we've adapted to the discombobulation and uh, everybody's kind of finding their way. I and mean, that's the thing when you're living through a massive paradigm shift, you know, the pandemic kicked it off and then everybody went, you know what? There's things about this I want to keep. There's a lot I want to get rid of, but there's some things I want to keep. Things are going to change and everyone's got to adapt in all corners. Absolutely. And the last time you were here, we were talking about your role narrating to Sleep in a Sea of Stars, the audiobook. And we are going to be talking in just a little bit about your next audiobook role, Fractal Noise Mm -hmm. by Christopher Paolini. And that's a very exciting project. But before we dive right into that, I would love to hear, in addition to the audiobook, you know, what have you been up to since we saw you last? Yeah, it's been, I mean, I am very blessed. And I also do work diligently for those blessings to continually work. And I'm working on some amazing stuff. I can't talk, of course, about much of it. And I mean, I've worked on so many things. I'm so glad to say, but I can't talk about them. I can talk about things like if you have little tiny kids, Slumberkins is on now on Apple TV. And I'm the narrator in a couple of other small roles in that. The narrator's in the all the episodes, but I love the the little roles too. They're so much fun. It's a sweet, sweet show for littles if you've got young kids. Turns out We're, I have a little, so I will definitely there, be oh, checking it out. <laughs> it, it is. It's the show that I wish everyone had had as a child. It talks about feelings and how to deal with them, and and it's just in the most beautiful way. It's a collaboration with the Jim Henson Company, so the puppeteering is fantastic and so sweet, and just ah, it's beautiful. And then X Men ninety seven is been announced. I can't say my role, but I can say that I'm doing it. I'm very excited. Lots and lots of cool game stuff going on. Uh, Of course, Bayonetta came out in that gap and uh, that was exciting. Lots and lots of things. You did Midnight Suns as well, right? Yep. Did Midnight Suns. Yep. And then the company that I started with my sister and our friend, skillshub.life is doing really well. We are the place to go if you want to know how to build a VO career or take the career you've got to the next level. We've got a combination of you can either do one-on-one coaching for as short as 10 minutes with people who work in the industry all the time, everywhere from working actors to casting directors and voice directors. And you get it in these custom chunks. Like, I just want you for 15 minutes. You can do that. And then we're also, we've got a massive slate of classes coming up that are customized to what everybody needs to get ahead, to get where they want to be. And we've got we got a bunch of people who are messaging us and posting about jobs they're getting and progress they're making and agents they're landing and careers they're building. And it's it's really, really exciting. I love to hear that. I remember when yeah. we spoke last, you were just spinning that up. And what a mm-hmm. fantastic resource, because I'm sure you get reached out to all the time. being like, how do I do what you do? And you're like, turns yeah. out I started a website for that. I did. You know, it's so interesting because I started initially, I just got sick, tired of auditioning alone inside the echo chamber of my head. And I just wanted 10 minutes with somebody I trust. I didn't want to do a whole class. It wasn't right for me at the time or I, you know, I've done a ton and I just, I just wanted somebody. So we built the calendar and started that way. And then a bunch of people came in who were just starting out and we realized they need a lot more. So I have just been building and writing and building and writing and Bill has been building and my sister, like the three of us just hunker down every week and go, okay, what are we making this week? And now we have these sort of step-by-step Lego guides to, all right, you want to do commercials? Here's what you do. Animation, here's what you do. You're making a demo, here's what you do. It's really fun. Really, really cool. That's fantastic. Yeah, a bunch of classes going with that. And we keep them really manageable. It's like 50 bucks for a class session. Super reasonable. 
That's incredibly reasonable, especially yeah. for such a unique skill set that, as we both know, people charge a lot of money for private I training know. for yeah. something like that. Yeah. And look, there's a lot of really great teachers out there, and there's a lot of different ways to do it. We do it this way. And so when this way suits you, come on in. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Check it out, yeah. skillshub.life. We will be sure to put that link in the show notes. If you guys are listening, you're like, actually, I've yeah. been thinking about exploring that. You can head on over to Jennifer's site. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's all there. It's the acting.skillshub.life will take you straight to the page that tells you everything. See, that's, that's eaten up a chunk of my time on top of sessions and life and parenting and everything else, so. I yeah. mean, I thought I was busy, but I feel like I need to add a few more no, things to my plate. <laughs> no, I need to take some away from my plate. I'm, trust me, it, you do hit the wall after a minute and then you got to, you know, I was, I get out and hike almost every morning and it's, uh, that's the sanity right there. The time with the green things is always good for the oh, soul. And the birds and the ocean and the, the surprise, the otters when they show up, I'm like, what? This is amazing. <laughs> oh, I'd love to hear that. That's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. It's on, on my Instagram, I'm always like, I often will post my morning walk, you know, pictures of my grubby face. Because every morning when I get up, I don't think I even look in the mirror. I do brush my teeth. I don't look in the mirror. <laughs> like, <laughs> the hair I slept on and I step out my door with my dog. I'm like, let's go. Turns out the birds don't care. So uh, mm -hmm. you're all good there. <laughs> and you know what? I care less and less every day. <laughs> you know what? You shouldn't care because you're a beautiful yeah. woman. And you know, if you don't feel obligated to do hair and makeup, you shouldn't. And sometimes we like to do it because it makes yeah. us feel great too. That's okay. Yep. Either way is good. Yep. If I don't feel like it, I'm not doing it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, one of the things that you have been exploring is audiobooks. This is only yeah. your second time working on a project of this kind, which is a little wild to think about how prolific your career is. I believe you have a Guinness World Record for how prolific you are. And Thank you're you. like, actually, most, audiobooks are are just the new thing. Yeah, well, it's most prolific female video game actor. Steve Bloom has it for the male side. And actually, it's this one turns out Fractal Noise is my third. The second one kind of snuck in because they've all happened because someone in something I'm already connected to has said something. I met Christopher at a Comic-Con down in Australia, I want to say 10 years ago. And he said, I'm working on something and I think I, I would love it if you would consider narrating. And I'm like, sure, you know, and true to his word, man, he followed through. And years later, when the book was ready, he connected with me and I said, well, that sounds really cool. It was my first audio book and it was over 800 pages with wow. 50 characters. And I was like, oh, these are intense. Um, <laughs> And then the second one was uh, an Overwatch. It's um, it's Ash's backstory. So I did it kind of Ash-ish, you know, which was really, really fun. And then when Fractal Noise came along, I'm like, yes, I get to do another one of these. Because I love the Fractal Verse, which is the name of all the things, you know, Fractal Noise, uh, Sea of Stars, all the things happening in that universe. It's the Fractal Verse. And it's just, it's freaking brilliant. I love that you're able to take the relationships that you make at events like a Comic-Con and say, hey, you know, I love your work. And he said, I love your work. And you're like, well, let's work together. I think that that's such a fun, like organic yeah. way to combine business with friendship. Yeah. And let's talk a little bit, you know, more about your approach to working on something like Fractal Noise. The last time we chatted with you about how different doing an audiobook is than doing animation characters or even video yeah. game characters. Do you feel a lot more 
confident and comfortable doing this type of work now that you've got, you know, a couple projects under your belt? I do. I will also say because of my body of work, I have the privilege of setting up the circumstances, the work setup in a way that works for me. I don't work as much in the traditional audiobook way where you're on your own doing it quite often. I'm not the athlete that many, many audiobook narrators are. I'm an athlete in games. I'm an athlete in animation. In audiobooks, I'm a newbie. I definitely need a producer present. I will allow the engineer to take over my computer and run it for me. So all I'm looking at is the text. I've figured out the ways that I can do it well, and then I do that. That's such a smart way to approach it because even though people like us maybe have experience in one silo or another, mm. you're like, hey, it's always good to learn something new. And that's such great advice for people who are listening, who are maybe contemplating doing something different in their own career path. Yeah. And I think there's this this crazy dynamic that happens. It's funny at Skills Hub when I'm teaching, I, I, I do a lot of what I think of as the head game, which is the ways that we undermine ourselves in our thinking and in our assumptions. And I think when somebody goes into a new career path, they look at like, well, I'm supposed to be able to do this, right? I'm supposed to be able to work for hours and hours under these conditions. And if I can't, then I should don't even belong here. No, your needs are legit. And it's really important that you speak up about your needs because if you can't do it for yourself, do it for the rest of us. Because if you go out there and set the expectation that voice actors are machines and they'll do whatever you want for hours with asking for very little in return, you set an expectation in those buyers' minds that the rest of us have to deal with. Like, your needs are legit. Stand up for them. Do it in a, in a respectful and diplomatic and repetitive way. Because it's your Amen. list. It's not, it's not their list. They're not the ones responsible for remembering. It's you're responsible for communicating it. And you just, you don't go, oh, I'm not doing that. You go, you know what's going to work best on my side is if we have this and this or I do this and this. You know, does that work on your end? Will that work for you? And when they say no, go, well, let's find a middle ground that works. I love that. Mm -hmm. Compromise. Yeah. And it's such an important message, both one of the pervasiveness of imposter syndrome and us not yeah. believing in our own abilities, but also yeah. the ability to communicate your needs effectively so yeah. that they don't come off as combative. And that's a skill that's definitely learned. Well, I think, the com yeah, I, I agree. And it's not taught enough. We're actually going to pop up a class on negotiating for yourself and advocating for yourself. It's coming. Emma Shajarko's teaching that one. And I think... People get combative because they feel bad. Mm -hmm. They either feel scared because they don't feel like they have enough information or they feel embarrassed that they have needs and then they become defensive. You know, at the core of all of it is a legit need. Look, this generation is one of the first that's starting to go, I should know. Okay, I have needs. Wow. I'm okay. Oh, other people do too. Now we got to figure out how to deal with them. It's like conflict. We're not taught how to deal with conflict and conflict can be done really well. You just have to have some guidance for it and you're not you're not born knowing how to do it look at babies they just scream their head off when it's not going their way yep that's you know? true if that's the only <laughs> tool you ever get it's not surprising that things are getting a little tricky absolutely i yeah. love that i'm definitely gonna keep an eye on when that class comes up i would yeah. love to attend and and, and hear <laughs> all of that knowledge <laughs> it's on the skills of social media we always pop them out there mm -hmm. fantastic well mm -hmm. i mean I think that kind of, you know, pushes in the direction of, you know, something I had thought about when we scheduled the interview. And it was really just like the timing of it all, talking about, you know, knowing your needs and what you're worth. I mean, there's a big movement happening in Hollywood right now. The writer's strike is happening. The Writers Guild, uh, the WGA is officially on strike. I vividly remember 
living in Los Angeles through the first writer's strike that then led into the Great Recession, which was not a fun time for people yeah. living here working in entertainment or anywhere, yeah. actually. The Great Recession was bad for us all. But now that we are, you know, 15, 16 years or so beyond where the original writer's strike was, what do you think is different this time around as a performer and someone who's so close to writers in what you do? Things are worse. That's what's different. There's a lot more money out there. And it comes down to the same thing. It comes down to the first thing, which is the fingers are pointing the wrong way. It's not the writers. This comes down to one thing in my mind. Corporate greed. End of freaking conversation as far as I'm concerned. And I don't care who this pisses off. I don't care. I will say what I believe is the right thing. More and more money is being spent on shows. And little, if any, is going to writers. And without the writers, we don't have a show. There are even writers on reality shows. If you look at the ratio of CEO wages to general workers in any given company, and that includes entertainment. Now, these are aggregate numbers, right? They're not specific to the entertainment industry, but let's look at the big picture. CEOs make a lot more than the workers, right? In the 1960s, they made 20 times what the average worker makes. In 1989, they made 59 times what the average worker makes. Take a wild guess what that ratio is now. How many times more does the CEO make than the workers who make that company possible? What do you think that number is now? Oh, man, I thought it was 60 times. But if you said it was 59 times, I mean, in it's 1989, be, it means it's got to be close to like 100 now, right? 399 times. Oh, my goodness. I was not ready. <laughs> well, that's what's happening. That's what's happening to all of us. It reminds me this week's episode of Ted Lasso. I don't know if you watch that show. Oh, I love that show. Friggin brilliant. Spoiler alert. There's a scene where Rebecca turns to a bunch of billionaires and says, how much more money do you need? I'm not going to give anything else about the scene away, but that's what I want to say. You know, there's a wonderful parable. <laughs> I don't have a writer present, so I don't know if that's the right word to use. <laughs> it's one of my favorite descriptors of life. And a person goes to, they're going to take a tour of heaven and hell because they're, they're, they've graduated, their time on the planet is up. And they're just, you know, they're just, for some reason, they're touring heaven and hell. And they, they go check out hell first. And it's gorgeous. There are these banquet tables everywhere covered in incredible food. It's gorgeous. And everyone's miserable. Everyone sitting at the table, they're miserable because they have forks and knives and spoons strapped to their hands that are two feet long. And they're trying to feed themselves and the food is just falling and they're starving. So they're like, wow, that was... <laughs> That was a fun part of the tour. And they, they go to the heaven part of the tour. This is obviously my version of the parable, right? They go to heaven and it's identical. Same tables, same silverware, same napkins, same food. Everything's the same. And everybody's happy. They're feeding each other because that's what works in that situation. This me first, I'm going to get mine, I need more, 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 is choking the life out of us. And the struggle the writers are facing is a microcosm of that larger conversation. It's happening to every single one of us. I am all about make money, all about it. Make money if you create something good, absolutely be rewarded. But there are CEOs out there doing very, very well who do things like pay their employees a minimum wage that is a living wage in their city, one of them in Seattle. The minimum wage at his company is 70, well, a couple few years ago was 70,000 some dollars because that's what it takes to live at a basic level in Seattle. He's not paying them $17 an hour and pocketing the rest to go buy whatever. You know, this is about greed. It's about doing what's right. 
and I'm done. I mean, there should be like a mic drop moment here. <laughs> I was talking to, who was I talking to yesterday? I don't remember who I was talking to. I was like, never dropped a mic, never bought an expensive mic. <laughs> like, like, don't drop it. Oh, my God. But we also get equally expensive boom arms to hold the expensive right. mic so it does not fall. <laughs> right. And this is the thing. Like, our culture devalues everything but the shiny stuff. Yes. One of my pinned posts on Instagram, I was given the Industry Icon Award at the Elvis Awards this past December, which was a lovely, lovely honor. But I went in there and I was like, you know what, guys, we're here on a shiny moment night. But the shiny dots aren't the life. It's everything in between. And when I look at that in this context, it's every one in between. I mean, for the writers, it would be as if the writer said, I have an amazing story. I don't know. I don't have the machinery to to produce this story. And they went to a friend and the friend was like, that's totally my jam. I can make that happen. And they shared in the profits and in the in the fruits of their labor. And they employed people well and on great terms, like Pam Adlon did on Better Things. And like, like they did that. It's as if that setup over time, the person who knew how to produce cut better and better and better deals for themselves. And one day the writer turned around and went, gosh, the cost of living and things have gone up and this business is really profitable. I'd like a piece of that because we started out on, you know, better, more comparatively equal footing. And that other person who does the producing went, no, I don't want to share. That's what we're sitting in. Yep. I mean, you nailed it. <laughs> That's definitely it. That's why it's, I think it's hard to hear any argument against the writers asking for more and saying, hey, you know, streaming has fundamentally changed the game. We saw the music industry go through this with streaming and there was a couple, you know, major figures in the music industry that really helped push artists' rights through when it comes to music. But obviously video is needing to do some catching up <laughs> as far as making sure artists of all kinds that work on these shows are compensated accurately for how many times people watch stuff on streaming services. The finger's pointing the wrong way. It should never have been on the artist's to go, can I have a fair shake? It should always be on the executives to go, let's make sure we're doing this properly. Are we taking care of everyone in a respectful and appropriate manner? They dropped the ball. It seems like a really reasonable point of view. <laughs> like It's like, yeah, hey, just take care of the people that do the work. But everybody, it, everybody goes on and on about friggin' survival of the fittest. And I have a friend who has an anthropology degree, was sharing once at dinner that that phrase appears, what, a half a dozen times in the text that it's in, Darwin's Origin of Species. The phrase community and cooperation's in there a couple hundred times because that's how we actually survive. Yeah, I'm seriously pissed about this. I think it's, it's going to take us all down. They need to get their act together. They're going to take us all down. Their greed is going to take us all down. Time's up. All right. Well, I mean, if I could snap and mic drop and clap again, like I'm I told him you. I was bringing my flamethrower today. I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. Why are we still having this conversation? It makes no sense. I mean, yeah, yeah I'm with you. And so hopefully the bargaining continues at a faster clip. I mean, last I heard it could go on for months. Three months was the yeah. the short estimate I heard, but hopefully yeah. that it doesn't uh, go on much longer than that. And an interesting phrase I've heard is that my husband has used a couple of times is that it's not a successful negotiation if anybody walks away happy. Everyone's got to walk away mad. <laughs> just, just a little a little disgruntled. It's yeah. fine. But we're so far out of balance. Yeah. We're so far out of balance and they have successfully manipulated the media conversation, the cultural conversations that that our common language is even people asking for more is wrong. Like 
what? How about stop stealing from me? How about that conversation? I'm sorry, without writers, we don't have anything. How do you grapple with what's happening currently in the industry and also still wanting to encourage young people to get in and follow your footsteps and, you know, be a performer or be an artist. Is there still hope for people who have dreams of performing and saying, hey, I can still do this and make a livable wage? 100%. We all have to get our hands around AI, which means everybody speaks up. I don't care what market you live in. I At Skills Hub, we are completely union agnostic. We don't care, you know, and that includes FICOR. What we care about is that people support each other, do not undercut each other, and that we communicate and unify. So around AI and those things, you know, that's another quote unquote threat on the horizon. You've got incredible organizations like navavoices.org out there fighting for all of us. And what's going to really seal the deal, I think it's going to bring out the best in us because we're all going to have to report in. Everyone's got to look at their contracts and Nava has a specific email you can send questionable you know, phrases in your contract to. We got to all step up and start saying, no, you can't have this. Nava just created this incredible agreement with Voices.com, I think Voices123, a whole bunch of sites. I reposted Sissy Jones's announcement about this on my Instagram. And those sites, I know Voices was going to be pulling people's audition clips and selling them off as AI. And Nava came in with an agreement called the Fair Voices Act, where those companies won't do that. We've protected ourselves. So absolutely, I, I say to people, like, if I said, don't jump into this business and this career because of the writer strike and AI and all that, who wins? The bad news wins. No, we stand up and we we take a stand for what is right, the environment we want to live in, the culture. It doesn't happen because someone delivers it like a Christmas present. It happens because we step up and we make it happen. You know, no one no one's coming in the cape. Turn around. Your cape is on your back. Suit up and let's go. Do you think AI is going to become so pervasive and ubiquitous that it's going to push out actors. I mean, it's great to hear that there's people who are being proactive about putting legal protections in, but sometimes it feels like even if you have legal protection in a contract, actually putting that into practicality in a real world scenario, trying to chase a, a blockchain company who has no central location or address yeah. anywhere is like, yeah. what, you know, what is your recourse as an artist if somebody is, you know, using your voice for an AI project? There's all, you reach out to Nava, because they have attorneys or they, they don't, you know, they're a nonprofit, but they have connections to attorneys who are moving on all this. Honestly, for me, it's a grab the popcorn moment. It's just, it's very similar to the writer strike in that <laughs> if it was you or me or Johnny Depp or Meryl Streep or Susie Jones or, you know, Shakita, you know, Viren, whoever it is, and they took our face and put it on their product, instant lawsuit. Same for our voices. They haven't, for some reason, they haven't caught this detail. And there is a stack of litigation headed to some huge companies. So I'm like, just grab the popcorn and let's watch them flame out. This is going to be fun. Oh, okay. Some tea. I like it. The, the rights are on your side. And yes, we'll have to step up. We'll have to adult this one. That is the deal. We are in a paradigm shift. And AI, it will be created a lot in our image. It'll be the best and worst of us. And it's up to us to train the baby. I'm with you. Us. Yeah. Do you think that there's any merit to people saying that AI is going to become better than human voices? I mean, I think we both no. know that that's, that's 
that's fooey, but I mean, I've seen, I've heard some pretty compelling samples that I'm like, oh no, this is, this is bad. <laughs> sure. Well, you know what my goal is? My goal is that I'm not, I am not anti-technology like Nava. I am absolutely not anti-technology. I'm pro pro-person, pro-actor. And look, actors, I think it's really smart to organize and make a clearinghouse. And if they're going to use your voice, great, pay me for it. Compensation, control, and clarity. Where is it? Great. Go ahead. You have my consent. You're going to compensate me. And I will have control around how long you get to use it for. Because that's the right thing to do. This is not an excuse to steal from people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No. I know artists have been dealing with this for much yeah. longer than performers yeah. have. Um, with all of the AI apps. I know when Lenza became a big thing, we found out after it became popular on social media, it came to light, thankfully, pretty quickly that a lot of that art was stolen art. And I think a lot of us were mortified being like, oh no, I didn't yeah. know. <laughs> I, I fortunately was heard about that. So I never posted those. They're such cool looking pictures, people's AI versions of themselves. But I was like, that doesn't feel right. I don't know why. And that's what I would say to you guys. Like, when you get that, that doesn't feel right feeling, please listen to it, you know? And when you're not sure, ask, wait, ask, just wait. Don't let your FOMO drive you to a really poor ethical decision that is ultimately going to, because it's, it's karma. It's moving faster than ever. You make a decision like that, watch your back. That's, uh, that's true. You don't want karma coming for you at all. Well, um, your karma is coming for you. Just farm it well. So what comes for you is a reflection of how you've conducted yourself. Yes, the whole idea of, you know, put it out into the universe and it'll come back to you. Yep, the golden rule. All these different approaches to the world and faiths, et cetera, they're saying the same thing, so you might want to listen. So Jennifer, you have done so much. You clearly are expanding into training and mentoring with Skills Hub, and you've got audiobooks and animated series and video games. Is there something that you're like, I actually am looking forward to doing this in the future? Any kind of like fun projects or things yes. that you're like, I have this really cool thing I've decided to explore? Well, I do miss, I do love singing. I um, I love that love that I got to do a song for Sea of Stars, and I got to... Um, make up a melody to go with some lyrics that Christopher had written for a, a, a character's sung song in Fractal Verse. Uh, so music is always the center of me. But the thing I'm looking forward to the most is resting. <laughs> <laughs> You're like sleep. I can't wait. Can I just say sleep? So <laughs> just, just like go, like if I just want to go outside and sit in the sun or play with my dog, like I'm very excited about that moment when it happens. But that's just not what's happening right now. Yeah. So, yeah. There's a time yeah. to hustle and a time to rest. My mom actually just made me watch Eat, Pray, Love. I'd never seen it. And she was mortified. She was like, you've never seen it. Yeah. And so we watched it. And there's that whole section in Italy where they talk about, you know, the art of doing nothing. And I was like, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Like, yeah, it's so important. It's so. And that's, again, honestly, it goes back around to the corporate conversation because we're sold this bill of goods and this this whole value system around everything we've unconsciously consumed for years going this is what makes you great the achievement thing the going and doing and i'm sorry but on your deathbed you're not going to be like i wish i had worked more <laughs> no you're gonna be That's like fair. why did i not listen to the birds why did i not stop and you know sit down with my kid and do nothing what a fantastic message to end our interview on and <laughs> go touch some grass everybody <laughs> yes indeed <laughs> has health benefits you don't even know yeah. 
I love it. Well, Jennifer, it's been so lovely chatting with you about about the book and uh, and about what you've been up to. Um, uh, When can people listen to Fractal Noise? When's it coming out? I believe it is out. I believe it is just now out. I think it's out yesterday or today from when we recorded the interview. Yep, 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 exactly. Well, there you go. May 16th, yep. Yep. Yeah, I'm super excited for this. It Christopher's so brilliant and this book is it's intense. It has stayed with me. I mean both his books really stayed with me. And yeah, it's a beautiful story. This whole universe is really exciting. Well, we'll so be sure to put having me. Of yeah. course. We yeah. we love it when you come on the show. We know that you're very busy. So thank you so for making time to to pop by and talk to us about what you've been up to. And for everybody listening, we will put the links in the show notes, as I mentioned. So you can check out Skills Hub, you can check out Fractal Noise and um, all the other fun stuff that Jennifer is up to. We'll put the Instagram there too, because I want to see yeah. I want to see the walks in the morning. That sounds very they're relaxing. Great. They're kind of great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very lucky. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks everybody out there. Thank you for watching and playing and listening. And thank you for being there. And please remember, you have power just in being who you are and sticking to what you know in your heart matters to you. And, And you matter. And just very grateful that you're there. Couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you again to Jennifer for giving us her time. If you guys want to know all about everything that she is working on, her music, her audiobooks, you know, Skills Hub, her fantastic website, You can check the show notes for all of those links and please do check out the projects that she is working on. So I just, as you guys probably can tell from people who listen to the interview, it was hard for me to like know what to say after she got so fired up about some of these things. It's like, you're right. Yeah. Greedy people be greedy people. We got to end it. That being greedy. Spread the (laughs) love, everybody. Be a good good step to, you know, making the world a better place. That's for sure. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Well, you're all going to end up dead anyway, six feet under. What the fuck? It's true. Yeah, It's true. <sighs> but not today. I don't know hey, why. I don't know. Optimism on what's good game. In the moment. No, it doesn't That's work. fine. I love not it. Not today, just, Satan. Okay. Yeah, there yeah exactly. Oh, Alexa Ray. She used to say mm. that all the time on our show. Anywho, we've got some really fun episodes, you guys, coming up over these next couple of weeks. It's going to be wild. Yeah, we got some fun interviews, our eight ball episodes coming back. We have some, ooh, you know what what it means when we get to the 4th of July week around here. What's good games? It means best game, what's it called? Best game so far. Game, game of the year, the year so, so far. So far. Eh, one of those. Yeah. Ooh, so shit. many contenders oh, this year. Oh, a lot of you're jumping all the way there, and I'm still thinking about the eight ball episode. Like that episode is going to oh. be a thing. And we got our special Diablo episode coming up. Oh yeah, like, it's going to. We got some fun shit. Without giving away too much, we have some fun guests from Blizzard who are going to be coming mm-hmm. on the show to talk about all things Diablo ahead of launch. Ah! And then of course Summer Game Fest. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. Can't wait. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. The hotness. All yeah. right. Tell your friends what's good games is the hotness. Subscribe, download, follow. <laughs> We're the hotness. We are Does that make us sound hotness. old? Does no, that make us sound old when you say that? No. Well, I no. don't know what the, the kids are saying these days. I watched one of those TikToks where they go through like the Gen Z dictionary and I'm like, oh boy. All right. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. know what the thing is for cool, but I do know we don't want to be mid. Definitely oh, yeah, no, not mid. mid. We are far from mid. No cap. Right? So what are we then? <laughs> <laughs> is that what the kids say? I've definitely just aged myself. I, say, I would say we have Riz. Riz? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. What the fuck is a Riz? It's charisma. It's good. It's like charisma, yeah, but it's a good thing. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Riz. Cool. Yeah. I like it. I like Riz. Yeah. <laughs> I think some people are like, oh, you got game, but it's more like, you know, it's different. It's different. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Riz. <laughs> I like that. 
I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm, I need. I need to get cool again. <laughs> Are you trying though? I feel like you feel like we're not, and it's okay for us to just admit we're not trying. <laughs> Are we going to be those parents, all of us, yes. when our kid is like speaking in language, and we're going to be Join like, us, I don't know. being old folky parents, stop being. I hit. don't know if I can. I'm I'm inundated with like. AV and Gen Z lingo every day. It's because you spent too much time on TikTok. I keep telling you true. this. Well, hey, I this is how TikToks. I keep in touch with the, the youths. The youths. That's true. We'll be calling you. be like, my kid just said I'm foogity foogity foo. What does it mean? <laughs> and you're like, well, I got you, girl. I'm like literally the embodiment of the Steve Buscemi gift where I'm like, hello, fellow kids. Rolling up, holding my skateboard. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, we're getting old. Okay, that's the end of the show, everybody. We love y'all. Thank you for supporting us and our show. We will be back next week. Bye.